Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. TV 48. Power. Anybody can hear me. So we can mix some things up today. This is Frank Nicolai. Brother Vaughn is uh, moving in the process of moving right now. So, uh, he asked me to call in and uh, start the show off. Anybody else has to call in? Everybody knows that we are running. Okay, can you hear me? All right, can you hear me, brother? Uh, just, uh, put something in the chat room so I can see you, man. I'm not. Never did this before. It's my first time starting to show up, so we're gonna be a little rocky at first. So don't uh trip. But uh, I see race first uh, in the chat room. If you can hear me, brother, can you uh put some in the chat room like a yes or no or something like that? If you can understand, if you can hear me, do it. Okay, how you doing, sister? Yes. Yeah. Call again. 
Okay, let me turn my mic down a little bit. Okay, sister. Um, if you could, sister, let everybody know in the hangouts that Nick Rod a little slow trying to get this thing started. And if they want to come on and join, they can. Um, again, this is a Slaughterhouse Saturday. We'd like to start our Slaughterhouse Saturday with a, a book, really a theme that was started by John Henry Clark. And that theme is Who is Betraying the Black Revolution? And we like to we like to update it currently and who is still betraying the African Revolution. Today's theme I thought we would good be good to be all go over would be the Moore situation. And who exactly is the Moors? Where do they come from? What is their role? And um where did the betrayal lie? And where do we fall out? Um to get us started, let me set the theme right here. See if I can find a good, good, good chapter right here. And I'm going to be reading from uh, Who Betrayed the African War Revolution by John Henry Clark. Oftentimes, uh, we, we stay in the theme of feet on the ground with reoccurring themes from elders. We're still working on the, uh, the work of our ancestors. Before we start on the new theme. So let me see if I can find something here. Okay. We first have to define what exactly is a revolution. Our crisis today is that we do not seem to understand that a revolution means a complete change. Any revolution do not patch an old society. You replace an old society. When a society has grown old, weak, fat, and flabby, and fails to serve its people, the conscious role of those who have suffered from that society is not to prop up that society, but to change that society in such a way that it will never be the same. When that society was originally built on your sweat, your life, the tears of your mothers and fathers, you not only have the right to change society, but you have the responsibility to do so. First, let's look at the revolution of the 19th century and the African war and find out who betrayed that revolution in the 20th century. You cannot fight to become a part of the apparatus of your slave master. If you do, you will enslave yourself. Your job is to destroy that apparatus. Early in the 19th century in Africa, chattel slave history, another form of slavery, was turning into the colonial system. Remember, slavery is never abolished. Slavery is transformed. Now it is computerized. Only the slave can destroy slavery. And you cannot destroy slavery by becoming a part of your slave master's cultural incubator. You have to understand what happened to you in this transfer from one society to the other. Let me stop right there before I continue on. What we have to understand is what happened when we transferred from one society to the other. Any people, um, any family members online? Anybody else? Anybody? Before I go in on this, uh, on this quick overview, right quick. Okay, thank you, sister. She said she's gonna put that word. Out. Okay. Um, I'm gonna keep reading until my, you know, the family get in here. And once the family get in here, we can uh, dissect and go ahead and go over this. So, um, let me let me go ahead and continue reading. Um, 
You have to understand what happened to you in this transfer from one society to another. You have developed a cultural incubator that was collective and homogeneous by virtue of being collective. The people who enslave you put you into another cultural incubator which lacks humanity and use religion as a utility to move things from one place to the other. They cannot even afford to mend democracy or Christianity. The very existence of their power and the way it existed was anti-Christian and anti-democratic. So they had to preach about it in order to try to convince themselves that they themselves believed it. And when you go back to the original culture that you had before the interference, you didn't preach about it, you lived it. In fact, you lived it out. When you created the so-called religion, you didn't say it. You didn't say, I am my brother's keeper. If you are genuinely your brother's keeper, you don't shout it out. You just keep him. You live out the culture. However, the enslaver proclaims the culture and portrays the culture. When you get confused between the incubator that created you and the one that enslaved you, you have a problem. And that is which is our problem, our present-day problem today. How did that problem come about? We have to understand the 19th century. Black activists and black ministers, we have misunderstood their connection in the African world of the 19th century. When that chattel slavery began, the chattel slavery system began to disappear because of its being unwillingly and not because of the goodness in anyone's heart. You will discover, if you read it well, that almost all the white abolitionists were fakes and phonies. Granville Sharp said in his own literature, quote, Though I am a Christian, I have found it difficult to put my hand in the hand of another African Christian and call him my brother. He was talking about Equiano, the greatest author of the African Christian slave narratives. Adriano was more Christian than he. Yet when we look at Granville Sharp's life, while he has while he was against slavery as an unwieldy system, every legislative act against child labor in England he voted against. Every act to improve the lot of women's he voted against. When the Brits wanted to use colonies as dumping grounds for unwanted women in the populations, he voted against it. He voted for it. He had no humanity for even the Englishmen of his own kith and kin. This man, with the greatest reputation as a Briton abolitionist, was a liar and a faker. The Africans began to understand this fakery early in the 19th century and started a series of wars to break the British and French hold on their countries. In South Africa, a series of Zulu wars, which lasts 250 years, 254 years, my bad. They began the entry of the Dutch in 1652, and ended with the last Zulu war in 1906. In West Africa, hold on, let me start there. Check, make sure we've got anybody on the bar. Just are you in line? Yes, Black Power. What's up, oh. Brother Mr. Rock? Oh, well, how you doing, Sister Black Power? Mm. Um, Brother B, you know, I don't know if you already told you, Brother B is in the process of moving. 
he called uh, family members up to see if they had time. Uh, no one else was on point, so they asked me, and it's my first time ever starting the show. And I've been a co-host for damn near over two years now. Uh, it's so far, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm uh, I'm liking um, you know what you're reading from. He going hard. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Slaughterhouse Saturday for people who didn't know. Uh, we wanted to set the theme for Slaughterhouse Saturday under the tradition that Dr. John Henry Clark has started, and that tradition was uh, he wrote a book actually which was we had a, a, a series of uh, speak, uh, lectures that was composed into a book. And the title of that book is Who Betrayed the African War Revolution? So if you're on the ground, what we want to do is we want to keep this updated. So we asked the question, who is still betraying the African War Revolution? And to set the tone, you know, for tonight, while we're still waiting on family members and guests to call in, I just wanted to read a few uh, passages from that book, if I could. But bear with me. Um, in West Africa, a series of Ashanti wars started in the 1800s and ended in 1900, with the last Ashanti war being fought by a woman, Yale Ashanti, who was exiled. That war was finally broken by the famous West Indian Regiment. That requires a whole lecture, so I won't get into that tonight. If I get into that lecture fully, I would need a six-pack and six handkerchiefs. <laughs> There were wars motivated by the spirit of African Islam. Notice he says African Islam. This is difficult for you now because you're so hung up with Arabic Islam. You don't know that there was another Islam, African Islam, began to set these wars in motion in West Africa against the French. Siko Tore's grandfather, Samuel Tori, in the Sudan, a man named Muhammad Ahmed, and called the Mahadi, which means the holy man. He was one who fought against the famous Fuzzy Wuzzy warriors, who were not Muslims, however. He unified the whole Sudan. Further to the south, a war was started by another devout Muslim, Muhammad bin Abdullah. He was called the Mad Mullah of Saliman, In North Africa, a war started against the French by Abdul Karim. Continued with another African who did not lose power until 1956, Galeo Pasi. My point is that all Africa was at war throughout the 19th century. In the Sudan, we had the British going back to avenge the fact that Africans had driven them out of the Sudan. They went back with a superior army under General Wingate. This was reported by a young British reporter, Winston Churchill. He was one of the finest jobs here. His was one of the finest jobs of war reporting since Caesar came home from Gaul. It's called the River War. The same Churchill report on the last of the Zulu Wars in a book called A Roving Commissioner. He would be called that Africa had outgenerated some of the finest military men in Europe, that these Africans never wore never wore a shoe store never wore a store bought shoe or heard of a military school. The nineteenth century war in Africa would set the twentieth century in motion. Near the end of the nineteenth century, missionary Africans began to appear to the conscience of the colonialists, only to discover 
in that game of power. Consciousness is absent from the makeup of the European. Now, in the Caribbean, early in the 19th century, they had already fought some of the best strategized slave revolts in history. Haiti had become free. Jamaica had fought harder without becoming free. There were revolts in South America, such as the Palomares and the Burmese Revolt in Guyana. These revolts happened before the American Revolution. The revolt in Palomares gave the Americans its first republic before the American Revolution. Yet these Africans got left out of history because they weren't on Europe's side. Haiti furnished a haven for South American activists, especially Simon Bolivar, or Bolivia, Bolivia. Once he established South American freedom, he would turn on the very Haitians who had helped him in dealing with the Caribbean revolts. Caribbean people even today, in their self-congregation, understand, misunderstand this aspect of their heritage. They do not understand that if they hadn't had the most successful slave revolts of Africans outside of Africa, it had nothing to do with them being braver than other Africans. Caribbean slave managers brought in large lots and kept them lots together. They, kept, they thought they, were, they could work them better that way. They, they were right, but they could also revolt better that way, too. They had linguistic continuity, cultural continuity, and joy continuity. Therefore, when one beat the drum, the other one over there knew that the drums were saying. They could maintain a system of communication. In the United States, they were born in small lots and broken up. They outlawed the drum and outlawed their, their, their indigenous African religion. They destroyed their loyalty system. In the final analysis, the Caribbean people did less with the loyalty system than anyone else. But they, had, did, but they did have it. They did have the finest example of an African cultural continuity of any people living outside of Africa. It was preserved to a great extent in Brazil and other parts of South America, but it almost disappeared from the Caribbean islands, except briefly when the Rastas, who sometimes become rascals, who misused African nationalism. It is unfortunate that some parts of the Caribbean islands, Rastafarianism became a fashion and a fad with no connection to the original African nationalism. Some Rastas who exploited Rastafarianism for personal use, are still doing so. When you go to the beaches of Jamaica, you see rosters roaming the beach, satisfying these unfulfilling white ladies. I think some of them missed the point. If Rastafari had a mission, this is not part of its mission. I'm going to pause right there. Um, family members in the house. Zach Powell, how y'all doing? We're well, mixing things up tonight. Uh, speed on the ground radio. Uh, Brother Bourne is out tonight. Well, he's not out tonight. He's in the process of moving. He asked us to fill the fulfillments for tonight, and uh, we're trying to accomplish that task tonight. Uh, Anybody else online? I heard the sister um, um, Malika speaking earlier. Um, Who else is online tonight? Uh, Brother Little was online, but I think he stepped out for a second. Okay, okay, okay. Um, any, any, um, 
Any questions, comments you want to make, Sister Worm? I'm going over some of this um, extensive history right here. Uh, well, I'm looking in a chat room. Somebody want to know what is the African religion. So I don't know if I missed it when you said it, but I know you said uh, something about African Islam. So I don't know if that's what they're referring to. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, go into that uh, because we know uh, whenever we refer to African spirituality, they get grouped up by called by getting called religions because the European doesn't understand spirituality. He doesn't understand naturalistic spirituality. He doesn't understand naturalistic thinking at all. So oftentimes when Dr. Kwan, as I mean in his book, he's going to say African or so-called African religions. But what he's saying is uh, indigenous African spirituality uh, systems. So if he wants to go into the uh, semantic wordplay of what African, uh, and he notice he put it in quotes, so he knows himself that the term is uh, a social construction. So I'm going to uh, keep moving on. Um, uh, so far, I don't have any uh, co uh, comments of my own, but, you know, like I said, he was going in, you know, he's going in on his work, especially um, when he was talking about the pastors and stuff. I mean, it's even so today that they don't, you know, benefit our struggle. You know, um, I don't. I, I heard some talk about that they get some type of uh, government funds. Is that true? To where they can't really um, talk about certain things. I mean, that's something I heard. I don't know if it's true. Uh, those are most the, most um, of the time. That's, most of the time, sister, that's the telltale situation of somebody who's been compromised. When you see. Um, uh, a certain uh, coach of economic, basically they, they seem to be promoting um, more or less so an integrationist-type theory along with a multiculturalist type theory. And the telltale side of that is oftentimes they've been bought and paid for. And, and uh, so, yeah, the, I think that, that is, uh, there's some truth in that because uh, oftentimes the Europeans do with any situations, whether it's an African situation or an Asian situation, what they'll do is they'll come to the situation and they'll just throw money at it. And when they throw the money at the situation, it'll cause a, a divide and conquer type situation. You'll have the people who are really passionate about the change, denying the money, and then you, you get to see that small percentage of individuals in that culture, in that community, who take the bait and uh, oftentimes just, you know, take the money. And then, But the European does that, and once the money's taken, European then goes back and says, uh, oh, okay, well, I thought I fixed the problem. Well, I thought the problem was fixed. And that's not the case here today. Um, that's why I like going over um, a lot of the uh, Jeremy Clark work because you can see nothing is new under the sun. So for some uh, individual to feel that they're promoting a form of revolution or, or a form of radical thinking that ain't been created yet, I think that's, that's a little naive because uh, under this – under this yoke of oppression in the European society, we have adjusted and we have dealt with all type of oppression, and we have tried to come up with all type of uh, ideas to deal with this. And one idea that people think is that, you know, the idea of us all, you know, we can, so we all just get along and hold hands. And that, okay, I use Martin Luther King Jr. as an example to discuss that issue. 
Because, well, okay, well, why did they kill Martin Luther King Jr.? Martin Luther King Jr.'s message though, was, let's just all love and get along, right, sister? Mm-hmm. And he was promoting, he, and he was promoting a non-violent type of approach. He caught it the most violently in the noodle. Why? Because as African people, we didn't understand the significance of that comment. If blacks and whites would all love and get along and mix bloods, what would happen is you would start seeing more populations of mixed people, and because African genetics are more dominant than European genetics, you will start seeing more people of color. So Francis Cross Wilson spoke on this. What we're seeing is that there's a large group of Europeans who wants to preserve their race. They want to preserve the – Hitler was, the, was, was one person in, in, in the past, what, 100 years who – not even 100 years, the past 75 years, who actually was radical enough to put that in place when he set up uh, sperm banks and so forth. So what was he setting up these sperm banks for? to refine and protect the most dominant uh, 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 characteristics of a European gene. Those who didn't fit the profile, those who um, uh, 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 if you was handicapped, if you was uh, anything that was wrong with you, you was deemed unworthy. You was, you know, you, and, and, and this is the reform issue. So those individuals who, who are Af- of African descent, they, they, they're saying, why are you promoting this hate talk? Why are you promoting this uh, uh, old philosophy? And I fall right back to that. Um, we have, we, we, we're doing more, we're doing bad, we're doing worse now than we were, for example, in the um, periods of Reconstruction. We're doing worse now than we were when we was in the uh, pre-Civil Rights Movement. When you look up and you look at the Black Wall Street and so forth, we were making millions of dollars because we had segregation. So all you had was your people. And, uh, uh, Malcolm X spoke on this. You don't see the rabbits or the, uh, yeah, the rabbit. You don't, you don't see the rabbit wanting to integrate with the wolf, do you? No, the rabbit wants to get away from the wolf. You see what I'm saying? And to some extent, that's how we've been looked upon by European culture as prey. So, you know, this is something to keep in mind. So that's a, that's a good question. So, yeah, oftentimes, you know, they throw money at the most radical individual and let that let that weed out who's more radical and who can be easily bought. Black Power, this is Slaughterhouse Saturday. As I stated earlier, we're mixing things up today. Uh, uh, our former host, Brother Bourne, is in the process of moving, so he asked his, co- his co-host to come out co-host the show. Uh, it's my first time being a co-host for damn near two years, about two years, so this, you know, I'm, I'm a little rough on the edges, so if y'all could just work with a brother. That's why the, the show started a little late. Uh, the theme for Slaughterhouse Saturday, as usual, is Dr. Clark's theme, who was betraying the World African Revolution, and we're updating that by saying who is still, who is still betraying the African Revolution. And um, go to my got some families in the house. And if you got any comments, you know, who do you feel right now is holding back the worldwide African Revolution? Um, who's holding it? You said who's doing what? Say it again. 
who do you feel? I mean, it's 2015. Everybody got out. You know, everybody got social media. Everybody has access to news. Everybody's in the process of communicating. And being as useless to you, you on the line, you seem to be very grounded, got your feet on the ground with Black Liberation, BB48. And who would you say right now? Who would you point the finger at? And, and, and what group or individual would you say is holding back this worldwide African Revolution? Well, I'm gonna have to say it's it's us that's um holding it back. Um, I'm gonna say due to you know what I'm saying mental slavery, basically. Um, I mean we have we can um we have the means to jump it off, but just not the will to. You know what I'm saying? Do what needs to be to get done. You know, motherfuckers are scared. Shit, all these damn public mentions. Shit, I really, I mean, how can you blame them? But at the same time, I mean, you won't change. Plan can't work a plan. So that's what I'm saying. You know, it's, it's a lot of that going on right now. Um, if anybody's bought a computer, you know, just to prove a solid ground, you can get a government grant. You get a grant from the government to start up any church, any any what they call it, a free based, a faith based organization. It has to be faith based, and that's important because the European has no problem with uh, giving you or promoting a faith based organization or your community. But it's two two you know, things that have to be required. One, he has to be the deity of whatever faith based it can be whatever, but it's gonna have some whitewashing in it. He gotta be the deity in it. And two, it's gonna have to be used to combat and basically uh 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 pacify the most radical people in your immediate neighborhood and the community. That's the whole purpose. I have, you know, yes, you know, when when these individuals go out and, and you look at, you know, wild liquor stores and, and churches and prominent in most communities, both serve two aspects of, of suppressing and uh, pacifying an individual, and both serve the same government system. That's impossible. I love Michael Madison. He goes right into that. Every time you break that seal of that bottle, you're breaking the seal of a government seal. You see what I'm saying? So these faith-based organizations, they can be any faction of Christianity, any faction of Islam, any basically anything that's Jew-based, as the brother said he will say. Why? What do all these three have in common? These are the these are the, the, the this is the Trinity of European deities right here. So you'll find all these individuals, I don't care what, they all have the same reoccurring theme in their statements. They come to suppress. They come to drain the energy of the movement. They come to bring other topics up that have that, that, that doesn't even speak to the, the life of the community. Like you're going to see in these upcoming uh, fiascos for the summer. Instead of giving something that's going to electrify and unify the people like uh, Brother Seti comes up with, we're going to see a lot of uh, digressing. Tennessee talk. Black Power. Black Power. I hear people in the background. Please join in the discussion. 
start right out of my computer, man. I'm just listening in, man. Black power. But yeah, I can I can say that you know they have been squeezing you know the fight or like you say trying to defuse the situation anytime you know niggas is ready to get shit jumped out. You know they always bring coon ass Al Sharpton, you know Jesse Jackson, which he he been hiding you know what I'm saying since this little scandal to come out and defuse the situation. But shit, I'm just waiting on that one. But I'm going to fuck with the right one. Black power. Black power, black power. I'm going to continue on. Um, reading some quotes from the uh, the elder, Dr. Byron Clark, who should be trained African Revolution. Um, isn't it ironic? that from the Caribbean islands would come a literature of African awakening and African awareness. Yet, you would go there today and find no awareness of consequence. Quote, everybody trying to be those things most unlike themselves, feeding grist in other people's meals, as Edward Blyton said in his famous inaugural address at the Liberia College in 1881, over 100 years ago. Quote, Nothing comes out, he said, except what you have put into it. Therefore, when they came down to the end of the 19th century, they began to discover that their boasting about emancipation coming in the Caribbean islands 30 years before it came to the United States was so much rubbish. It was a fake over there, and it was a fake over here. Both of us were still slaves. Yet in Pan African Cong- yet the Pan African Congress in the 1900s. Now listen to that. I haven't stopped it. For individuals who don't see, we was organized and had African as our primitive, as our as our main message way back then. The the Pan African Congress of 1900s was that 115 years ago. Right. Call for us to forget these divisions and become one people. Marcus Garvey said we had one God, one aim, one destiny. See, I'm going to stop there. When I when you consider one God, one aim, one destiny, they think it's okay to remain Christians. And I just you just spoke earlier that the European gives money and grants out to any individual who wants to form a faith-based organization. But it has to be, he has to be the center of the deity. So he has to be the God. So he can't be the one God and one aim and one destiny for black people. When he said, up, up, you mighty race, you can accomplish what you will. He didn't divide them based on islands. He didn't say those from Georgia. He said, all of you, up, up, mighty people, you can accomplish what you will. He was trying to restore belief in oneself. During the whole of the 19th century in the United States, that first half was more magnificent. We saw the bringing into being of men like Frederick Douglass and Henry Highland Garnett. And during the end, great preachers like Henry McTeel Turner, on the eve of the Civil War, we saw African people fighting for themselves, not waiting to be freed. The Civil War wasn't about defending slavery anyway. If you think any white person fought four years over you, then that wasn't water you've been drinking. (laughs) 
They were fighting to unify the United States. Now this brings us to the second half of the 19th century in the United States, the betrayal of Reconstruction, the period of betrayal from Reconstruction in 1876 to the emergence of Booker T. Washington is called the Nadir, the period of Lois Ebb. In 1895, the whites had gotten tired of dealing with multiplicity of black leaders. <laughs> so they chose one for us. They chose and anointed Booker T. Washington. They gave him publicity, and they gave him the means. Some people were for him, and some people were against him. And in spite of the fact that he was, quote, chosen, he did some innovative things in education, which are still good for us. However, we didn't like some of the things he did. He turned some of us, he turned against some of the most useful things we still need. He turned against some of the most useful things we still need. Thus, all of us came into, Dr. Clark, this speech, let me, let me think. Thus, all of us came into the 20th century. The Caribbean islands came angry and fighting over constitutions. The Africans came during the end of the warrior nationalist period and the beginning of the missionary train Political activists. Woo! That's what we're dealing with now. Missionary trained political activists. In this struggle, we were beginning we were beginning the end of the physical struggle and the beginning of another struggle. We have the greatest black journalists, T. Turner Fortune, William Monroe Trotter. We were in the midst of the boys period and Booker T. Washington period. There was a fight for education. There was a fight to build independent black institutions and a name over their name, and fight for their name. All of this, as we came with us into the 20th century, the political and cultural transition of black America from 1875 to the emergence of Booker T. Washington and decline of blacks in elected, in elected politics is obvious, dis- described by Professor Rayford, L., I mean, Rayford W. Logan of Howard University in his book, The Betrayal of the Negro. There were some betrayals and some institutional building concurrent with the institutional decline. Black America began to be plagued by some misconceptions of the body politic of white American nationalism. That was not clearing up to this very day. Africa was nearing the end of its hundred years of anti-colonial wars. So we've been fighting. The slave revolts in the Caribbean islands were over. Throughout the African world, activists were now petitioning and appealing to the alleged Christian consciousness of our oppressors. Woo, let me read that again. Throughout the African world, activists were now petitioning and appealing to the alleged Christian consciousness of our oppressors. With these illusions, we came into the 20th century. This the African revolution that was the preface to the 20th century revolution that we betrayed. Why did we betray this revolution? We have to look at the years in Africa, the United States and the Caribbean islands, because who was in charge? Who were the spokesmen in the main during those years? There were people who through our greatest hopes was to be like our oppressor instead of destroying our oppressor. Hmm. Though they fought for a new society, They would model that society on the corrupt and dying society of the oppressor. Let me stop. We're talking about Commonwealth nations. After the Africans 
got independence from fighting. Some, we're talking about some Africans, those who fought the colonial powers. Once their fighting had, was starting to come to an end, the Europeans started up a new type of African, an African who was known in the body politics of the nation and was, had a Christian consciousness, basically the missionary, right? The same thing happened in Haiti. Before they can even adopt a constitution that can be used to benefit the people, they accept the constitution of the same oppressor who enslaved them. So now that the European can control their country via remote control. So this is what we're seeing, as Dr. Park saying, this is what betrayed that revolutionary spirit, because he's, he's, he's going in centuries. And this is what, this, what this is what we had to, us as individuals on this line, this is what we came into through the 20th century. We had to come with, with dealing with English Commonwealth nations, English imperialism. At the same token, this is this is why no niggas should be defending social Darwinism because this is really saying this is this is them putting it into practice. Okay, yes, we'll give you Negroes uh, 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 independence, but same thing that they do to these faith-based communities uh, 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 organizations. You're going to have to have my program put in place. So now we see African nations who have judicial systems that mimics European judicial systems where you have Africans wearing wigs, carrying on proceedings as if their colonial masters were still there or better yet on vacation. I ask the question, lines open, but the bee is in the process of moving. Be on the ground, still has to keep the ball rolling. So we changing up things tonight. Questions for any callers on the line or any family members on the line. Who do you black feel power. is still betraying the black African revolution, black power, brother? First of all, we reported each other. We What's going on, brother Nicolai? Uh, I, just tuned, I just tuned in, so I caught the last, you know, the last little uh couple pieces of you speaking on Dr. John Henry Clark and the understanding of how you have to look at the history beforehand to figure out what's going on in the history that you have at hand as the we're in the 21st century we should be looking into the 20th century to see what's going on and for those things that happen in the 20th century we should be looking into the 19th century for how they came about and who was controlling the context for these things to happen. Um, and one of the things I also heard you speak on was the uh, monetary being given out to the churches and how the churches is in, in pocket. And uh, and to speak to that issue, you know, we've had this student down there in Charleston, South Carolina, which is... Uh, which to me now has seemed to be more of a propaganda spin or a type of media hoax than anything that um, I can say would be reality after watching um, several hours of um, news clips and videos of the family members um, looking at the church services, also watching the politics that's playing, seeing who's taking pictures with who, who's being spoken of through the media outlets, 
Um, we have now, we have the, um, you know, it's who's still betraying the African Revolution. So, we, you know, we got to look into uh, this Christian spirit thing that they are now pushing to us with, a, uh, you know, with full force. You know, we must, the spirit of love everyone. Um, we have, uh, we have nine people allegedly murdered. The church comes out two days later speaking on the murders. The AME church speaking on the murders, but they're giving, uh, you know, they're giving no uh, reflection towards what we would say, you know, how people, have, in a tragedy like this, things that would be tragic, you would reflect on the power of, you know, God if you were a Christian. But if you look at look at a lot of the rhetoric that's spoken, it's a lot of um, friendliness with the with the different churches. There's a lot of um, uh, a kudos given to individuals who work in uh, politics, politicians, and things of that nature. While this shit was going on during the um, during the wait of these alleged victims, and so when I see that, I just think on how these churches are still being used today to this date to not only um, not only to bind our money up inside the community, but also to always keep us on a divide on what is our mission as a people. You know, they they talk to us on one hand that we should not be, we should not allow ourselves to be beaten like this or abused, and this is a thing that is uh, ungodly. But then at the end of it, but then after that speech is given. What it says is that we must forgive all who does who does harm to it. So, right now we we have we're in a catch twenty two when we're dealing with these people. So I just see what's going on right now, and I'm telling the people: be aware, do not allow media to spin you off into a run after uh, crazed wild white gunmen. Even though we, even though the white man is a crazed wild beast, but don't don't be so quick to run with every propaganda story that we get. So I just wanted to add that in real quick because I, I was hearing you speak on a couple of different things and I've just seen this thing and it's just really bothering me how many of our people are right now wrapped up in this uh, Charleston, South Carolina shooting, which is taking the energy away from our rebellious nature that has been proven over the last year. You know, it's been proven that Africans will rebel you know what I mean? And that not only not only the the older people or the mid range, but the youth are at a fever pitch for rebelliousness and for an incident like this to go down and have the uh black people and white people say that listen now is the time for us all to come together for them to uh call it on the news that this is how a city is this this is how uh, good people in a good city uh come together after a tragic event. Have to uh, juxtapose what allegedly happened with that white boy with the murders outright of our people by uh, the officers, which is two different, which even though racism and white supremacy plays on both parts, they are two different paradigms, though, that you're dealing with. Because as I said, with the police department, is easily seen. You can easily see the structure.
of racism, white supremacy, so it's easily attacked. But when an individual is harder for us to place the uh, direct attack on the on the group on the group of uh, racist of uh, racist who will put together a scheme like this. You know what I mean? It's easier to attack the uh, uh, what would we say the um, institutionalized racism. It's easier to see. You know what I mean? So they throw us. They throw us this individual uh, racist type of uh, scenario, get us on the individual racist scenario, then run us away from the science that this is a totally racist society. They start to nitpick it down to know it is not a racist society. It is just racist individuals within sides of society, and these racist individuals can be combated with the power of love. If we love our racist neighbors more, then they will coalesce to the love and the hate will go away. Uh, and I think this is some of the most nonsensical shit ever to be told to anybody. To love those who hate you, to love thy enemy is is uh, is a, is a uh, recipe for death, man. You love your enemy, that's a recipe recipe for death. So it was that being said, man, don't love your don't love your enemy. Hate is a good thing. When it's the hate that hate produce, you must give back that which you were getting in order for you to move forward. Will not be no, uh, will not be hands held into the, uh, into this new African paradigm. Yeah. With that said, Deep Fahodier, um, Black Power, um, you know, I'm glad y'all coming out, you know, uh, moving around and everything, we moving, family moving. I don't know if they're holding it down. So uh, y'all come on in. Let the brother make what I say. Anything you want to add on? Any questions? I know some people on the line. Come on in. No doubt. No doubt. And the thing we're trying to ask is, who is who do you feel? This is the individual question you got to ask yourself while you make an observation. Who do you feel right now is betraying the African war revolution? Thomas, questions, please. Now, that's a good question, too. While y'all talking about that, I'm going to go ahead and finish reading an excerpt from Robert Clark, who betrayed the war, the African World Revolution. And after getting getting a nice overview of some of the things the elders put in perspective, it could bring some clarity. Because we know who, you know, we know it's a lot of motherfuckers that's false flagging and shit and holding us back. But oftentimes, trying to find a word to describe who and what it is, and that's where the elders come in. They describe because they 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 they, they have that trained eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, throughout the African world, activists we were now petitioning and appealing to the alleged Christian consciousness of all pressers. With these illusions, we came into the 20th century. This is the African world revolution that was prefaced to the 20th century revolution. That we betrayed. Why did we betray this revolution? We have to look at the years in Africa, in the United States, and the Caribbean islands, because who was in charge? Who were the spokesmen in the main during those years? There were people who thought our greatest hope was to be like our oppressor instead of destroying our oppressor. Sound like that's going on right now, huh? Though they fought for a new society, they would model that society on the corrupt and dying society of the oppressor. 
when the Africans began to ask for a new society, they were asking for an African-dominated society. But most of the Africans asking the question were trained by the oppressors. They had forgotten that their methodology of rule, they had forgotten their own methodology of rule. And so the methodology of ruining a state was borrowed from the oppressor. The oppressor never developed the methodology for the liberation of the slave. Powerful people never educate powerless people in the kind of a special education they need in order to take that power away from them. The aim of a powerful people is to stay powerful by any means necessary. If they have to buy up the wheat, they buy, they, 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 they buy it up. They know something which you have illusions about. The meek will not inherit the earth. The strong will inherit the weak. And the status quo will remain the same. Woo! The earth will always be ruled by strong people. And if you want to rule it, become strong. Stand on your own turf. Let me read that again, Brother B. Can I read that again, Brother B? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come stand on your own turf. Go ahead. Read that one more time. Page 30, for those who have the book, follow along. The aim of a powerful people is to stay in power by any means necessary. If you have to buy up the wheat, they buy it all up. They know something which you have illusions about. The meek will not inherit the earth. The strong will inherit the weak, and the status quo will remain the same. The earth will always be ruled by strong people. And if you want to rule it, become strong, stand on your own turf. When we look at those years in Africa after World War One and before World War Two, something I was talking about last uh, Thursday. No, no, last, yeah, Thursday was on the phone, right? The people that they looked for to bring a government into being were nearly all trained in European schools. There was nothing wrong with them being trained in European schools. So were the Japanese. But the Japanese got proper instructions before they went to European schools. Quote, your job is to come back and make a Japanese nation that can divide those people, outproduce those people, and remove the humiliation inflicted by those people. They came to American schools with, with their little cameras, and they took pictures. Americans were insulting, were insulted by the picture-taking. Everybody was saying, oh, those silly little Japanese. By the time they went home, they could make everything they took a picture of. If they took a picture of a train, they could go home and make a train. The African didn't do that. The African was too busy being the imitator instead of the innovator. He wasn't preparing to be a sovereign nation. He was preparing to imitate his slave master's ruling of a nation. And his slave master's apparatus would never fit him. The revolution was being betrayed before the revolution ever occurred. I don't mean just in Africa. The same people, the same thing was happening in the Caribbean. People were moving into space, would play a color game, an economic game, and a class game. No one was speaking directly for the ordinary people who worked and labored. Everybody with an education had their noses in the air. The common people had no advocate. Until the common people have an advocate, you have no revolution. After World War II, they were fighting for constitutional government and land reform 
because the British had crown lands, which is reserved land, anything to keep the land out of the hands of the people. Hmm. They would pull this trick all over Africa. They couldn't actually pull it in West Africa. Land tension would remain intact thanks to a man called Casey Hayford. Hayford from Ghana wrote an excellent book on it, The Truth About the West African Land Question. Homo Kenyatta wrote a good book about the East African land tender, and there's very good people have to read it, called Kenya, Land of the Conflict, Land of Conflict. When you take away people's land, you take away their nation, you take away their birthright. You might as well take away a woman, woman's womb and tell her, go ahead and have some more children. It's impossible. No land, no nation. The land was being lost in Africa, and the land was being fought over in the Caribbean islands. They made a better fight over it in most cases, and then some of the land was being returned to the people. They did have some redistribution of land, but the elite who, part who participated in the redistribution of the land ended up buying some of the land. They exchanged a British land-owning aristocracy for a black island-owning land aristocracy. Ooh. Power changed faces. But power never changed methodology. Again, power remained out of the hands of the people. I'm going to stop there. Go ahead. But, uh, anybody want to build on that while I ask the question? Who do you think in 2015 on this Saturday evening is still betraying the world African Black Revolution? Mr. I see the line. I see uh, before I came in, so I know there's people on the line. I know they might want to be fine. They sitting there thinking, thinking hard. I hope you all take this one fight, maybe twice, but don't think too long on who you're saying the African world, African revolution. And I say, even from my perspective here in, in this North America, in this hemisphere where I'm at, as far as I can see, anyone who is is uh espouse anyone who espouses um Europe European mannerisms of our origin. See this is one thing that we have to realize. See any nigga who's saying that the white man knows our origin in life better than us, that he can tell us how we originated, I think that they you definitely are trained the African brotherhood. And so I'm putting all these all y'all listen. Anybody who is advocating for us to join the law with the church. You betray the action revolution. If you tell me, and I'm not saying that you can't use resources, but if you're telling me that we need to partner with Christianity in order for us to move forward, if you're telling me that we must partner or that there's uh, some good, all of them not enemies, there's some good. We're not looking for good white. We're looking for good Africans. Anybody else, you on the other side. Uh, anyone who is not speaking, who is not speaking to the, to the uh, notion of military science and militaristic advancement, anyone who has anything against violence. See, when you got something against violence, I got something against you. Because I understand how things are controlled here, how things were gotten 
were gotten here, how these gains were gotten. And these ill gains were gotten through pot. There was no, there was no, uh, there was no uh, uh, treaty set up. There was no peace treaty to, to take over us as a people. So, you know, people who are spies and these type of things, man, that's definitely betraying the African world, African Revolution. I put one on the line, man. If you go into a million man mark, million, matter of fact, let me get this correct, to the million mark, mark, a million mark, probably. So that's what they're going to be, marked out. You out there with fairy tone. If you at the fairy tone, million mark, mark. And you were there under the guise that it is a revolutionary tactic to be there and that we will get justice or else from another speech, then you have not only betrayed the African Revolution, but you are betraying your own self. So you might be out of your African mind. But 20 years later, you think that we're going to get something good out of a man who we think 20 years back could not bring us to that which the land that which they promised. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened by this direction that we take, you know, as a community, especially with that right here. So number one, that's, that is the number one uh, uh, betrayal that's going on right now it is, the, it is the thought of that there will be some type of action October 10th, and then after that, October 12th, 15th, whatever the fucking day is, maybe it's October 10th, though. But after this day, it, it will be justice or else. Uh, you know, anybody who's saying shit like that, man, and they're not militarily prepared, anybody who has that type of voice, with that many type of followers behind them, Say something like that and not already be strategically militarily preparing people in the city, then you are definitely betraying the African Revolution. It's unmilitaristic, it's, un, it's, it's unconscionable as someone who is thinking militarily. If you have that that big uh, of touch with people, you can't trust you. Uh, another thing, and really I'm on his head right now, is somebody who's betraying this African Revolution, even though. We got this, uh, these Timo Savage, Honor Ross squad dudes who just went crazy with some of the shit that they're throwing out here. You know, I definitely think it's detrimental to the, to the community to be teaching not evolution, but Darwinism. You know, you teach your social Darwinism, you teach your eugenics through a social science, you know what I mean, which is, which is portrayed as a biological science, but has no biological fucking standing because we still have no process to turn chemical uh, gases into a biological entity. There's no way that that, that shit can be done. So you know, that blows evolution out the fucking water right there. And so they show me that goddamn process, which is still theorized. Um, but that's a whole other thing of words. A whole other thing of but that, I, I really feel, you know, I'm, man, it, it, it's Saturday, man, and I'm really feeling for our people, man. I'm feeling that our people are, are really um, being duped, and we're being pushed real hard into a situation that we're not going to be able to get, us, get up out of. And, I mean, not us, per se, who are what we call African-centered right now, but those who are coming to 
the consciousness of being African because of the people that they're putting out in front of us. And this is why fair conversation is such a detriment to our community because he has a voice that <clears throat> like a rebellious, revolutionary voice. You know what I mean? And he is putting himself in a situation to capture the youthful audience because he is moving in the crowd of the hip-hop entertainment. I've seen him in his past, I would say, two weeks with pictures with not only with Rick Ross, he's with Birdman, he's with Snoop Dogg, he's, uh, uh, he's with Young Thug, he's with several rappers. He's putting himself in these, uh, 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 you know, in these photo ops. He's taking his time to make sure that he has proper photo ops with the who is who in this community, in the community of hip hop, in order to garner the air, uh, in order to garner the heart and the air of the youth, which is the most, which is one of the most detrimental things that I can see happening to us out here as a community, man. Be aware, man. Be aware. He traded on college, man, and 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 as much shit as we see. About Malcolm, I have to say he had hands in on having Malcolm killed too, uh, and I, he at least knew about it. So I'm not, you know, I, I'm just that's 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 where I'm at with it right now, brother Nicaragua. Uh, as a community, the conscious community, though, we gonna have to be we have to be aware of all these motherfuckers talking about some yo. If it's science, you can't question it, man. If the white man said it, you can't question it. Anybody who's poking this shit and then telling us that we can't question this, then anybody who's telling you don't ask a question, you're a fucking enemy. In 2015, there's any time to not ask no goddamn question. Anybody saying don't ask questions in 2015 is enemy. And tell them I said something. I say, Shout out to Shay. In fact, to speak right to what you're speaking on, I would like to submit to uh, the evidence room. Um, a book called Inventing Africa, History, Archaeology, and Ideas by a cracker named Robin Derincourt. Before I go over this, the role of the, of the European writer is to edit all African history and contributions. So what is, what is the role of the African uh, uh, writer, Brother B, or anybody else online? Listen to his positions in his title, right? Robin Derrycourt is a conjoint is a is a conjoint associate professor in history at the University of New South Wales. That's in that's in that's in England. His career has included archaeology, teaching and fieldwork, heritage administration. Listen to that word. And Editorial responsibilities for book publishing programs in history, African studies, and archaeology. Y'all guess that? I'm ready to get. Robin Derrycourt is conjoint associate professor in history at the University of New South Wales. His career has included archaeology, teaching, and fieldwork. Heritage administration, brother B. What the fuck does that mean, heritage administration? Exactly. That's what exactly. What what is that heritage? This is, I told that? you. I, I gave you an overview. I said European. The European model writer is to edit and to suppress all African history and contributions. Look at his title. His title speaks right to that. 
his job includes archaeology, so he's going to tell you what the, what the physical bones are. He, he teaches, and he do the field work. And heritage administration, so basically he's in the business of administrating heritage. So who, 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 who determines who claims this part of heritage? And heritage and land run synonymous, right? And, okay. and editorial responsibilities, meaning he's the ed- he has high editor responsibilities for book publishing and programs in, 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 in history and African studies and archaeology. And his book, his book includes ideas into, into a man and people of the lakes, blase, blase. Now, this is the college curriculum book for niggas who like using college books. Page 110, Inventing Africa, Ancient Egypt and African Sources of Civilization. In this chapter here, he's going, he's a, he's a member, he's the editorial. He's the editor for Heritage Administration, and, he, and he's, he's the editor for anything that's dealing with history, anything that's in African studies, anything archaeology. So he's giving you rights. So when they just say, Ain't no racism in science. Shake it to be up. Been dead a long time, right, y'all? In chapter six, he first goes into uh, 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 of course, of course, he's going to attack the cracker first. So he's going into Sir Grafton Elliot, but they dealing with Shake it to be up. He got a whole thing for Shake it to be up. The work of the Senegalese writer and scholar Shake it to be up stimulated influential new new views on the position of Egypt. In the history of both Africa and of, Euro- and of European civilizations, Diop argued the case that ancient Egypt was a Negro society, and that it was Black Africa that brought civilization to Europe. He made empathetic distinctions between African and white European cultures. He also argued that ancient Egypt was both an influential. It both an influence on and an example of black African cultural norms. Like Smith, he's talking about the other motherfucker, he's putting, he's putting Smith and Dart and Diop together because he, they're saying that they uh, worked across disciplinary areas. So have you, motherfucker. Born in colonial France, West Africa, he was trained in France as a physicist and went on to direct Senegal's radio carbon dating laboratory, as well as engaging in Senegalese political life. Now, Europeans always big you up for they tell you down. So this is what he's doing right here. While a student in France, he developed broad historical interests and began his writing on the African basis of ancient Egypt civilization. He, pre- he, pre- he presented this initially as a thesis, then developed his arguments as a book in 1955, Nations Negres et de Culture, French French name. His thesis was issued in the book form in 1959, as El Elite and another study was passed as his doctoral thesis and published in 1960. Edu compared the systems of politics et sources as the Europe et de la Afrique. A second major volume, listen, listen, Doctor, they got to know he writing volumes. A major volume appeared in 1967, Antidio. This Civilization Negres. These books and several articles were published by the influential journal and book publisher, Presidents African, founded in 1947 by the also Senegalese cultural and political activist 
Elion Dio. He thought he's trying to say that because the publisher is also sending threes, they 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 have a conflict of interest in terms of being honest. Keep it up. These are important and constructive arguments in the context in the context of a French tradition, which, like the British, had a long underplay the identity of Africa's past. Reflecting Hugo, Victor Hugo's declaration in 1879 that Africa had no history, France had its share of Eurocentric theories. From colonial official Maurice Delafosse claims for the judo sidarian origins of the 4th to 8th century kingdom, ancient Ghana. See, this word, this word, see, this word, this, 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 this word, when you see my niggas saying that they citing that they were Hebrews and fucking West Africa, let me read this shit again. Mm-hmm. Victor Hugo, declaration in 1879 that Africa had no history. France had its share of Eurocentric theories. Listen, this is where that shit comes from. Maurice Delafonze's claim for a Judo-Syrian origin of a 4th to 8th century kingdom in ancient Ghana. To Ebley Henry, a spouse of the white lady of Bramberg in today's Nibian as evidence for early penetration from the Mediterranean. See, when, actually, see, see when, you, when you ain't even looking for that shit, but you had to put that in there. So being that CKTB are from Senegal, he's fighting over the history of Senegal because the French is tying in Senegal as being descendants from a Judo-Syrian kingdom from 4th to 8th century. 4th to 8th century. That means before Islam, right? This is where they say that they, the Jews, when they niggas be lying, this is where they got it from. Uh, uh, Maurice Delafonte, when they say well, they're, they're uh, uh, Hebrews in fucking West Africa, coming from this Judo uh, Syrian, or this bullshit. Diop's innovative ideas were taken up in a French progressive culture, and the core elements of both were introduced to an English reading audience. That's Dr. Clark. They ain't gonna say Dr. Clark. Dr. Clark was the first motherfucker to put him on. They ain't gonna say Dr. Clark. With the U.S. volume in 1974, which combined select chapters from his two main French books, after a long period when they had been ignored, they were then dismissed in the non-Francophone scholarly world. But they came to engage with the emerging identity politics of the black diaspora, especially in the United States. Dr. Clark made his business for this problem. He's going. He's going into. He's, he's going into. Uh, I don't want to take too much time for him, but he, he's going into Theodore uh, uh, Benga. He's going into his history. Let me find where he starts going. Okay, here we go right here. He's gonna build up his work, but then he's going confronted by the question of whether the ancient Egyptians were white or black. Egyptologists. Would in subsequent decades argue that this was a false question. The Egyptians were Egyptians with a range of physical characteristics that reflected their location, development, and spread along the length of the Nile. But Diop's work was addressing more popular prejudices and stereotypes. Listen to this. And formed an essential part of the Negritude movement. You know what Negritude means, right? Brother B, anybody online? The word nigger 
comes from the word negritude. And they gave the term negritude to rebellious slaves. Oh, he suffered, and they, they, they treated it like it was a deal. Oh, he suffered from negritude. He's one mm-hmm. of those. Mm-hmm. So he's using, remember, he's an archaeologist. If he's a white archaeologist, he's a social Darwinist. Meaning his social principle is going into it looking for white superiority. And he's going to claim us, he's going to claim, he's going to project his motherfucking uh, philosophy on us like we're doing the same thing. This is what he said. But Dion's work was addressing more popular prejudices and stereotypes and forming a central part mm-hmm. of Negro movement that contributed self-esteem to many in Africa. Especially, so he's saying that this is not an attempt to be scholarly, but by blacking it up the Egyptians, this is a, 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 a Negro movement that's trying to deal with self-hate. Cold cracker, ain't he? Yo, Black Power, yo, Brother Maker, are you saying that I just got a book on, uh, it was, uh, it was speaking on, like, uh, science, uh, mystical science, uh, mythological science, and just, uh, misnomers in science, things of that nature. And the, ah, man, I'm, uh, I'm more packed up with this, like, you know, oh, man. There's this damn book out. But I was reading to the family a, a passage from it. And I, and I just the book on a humbug. But I read a passage from it where that's exactly what they were espousing. They were saying that the Afrocentric view on science was a retelling of uh, history, that, they, that what we were doing was not going along with what was actually happening, but that we were rewriting history and that any, almost all Africans, who was who were in the position to to give forth any information that we should discredit it and discard it because it was um so it was aligned with uh Af- you know Afrocentrism or whatever happened. Exactly. You know? Let me read. Uh, let me read. And you speak right to for the read. L- listen to this. Modern Afrocentrism. See, this is how Europeans refer to Negroes who are black power. Mm-hmm. Doctor Clark. Last little debate, and that wasn't even debate because he, the nigga one is equal. He's debating the sellout house nigga. Fuck is his name? Corny oh. West. Corny West. Cornell West. And Dr. Yeah, Clark put him on blame, nigga. You can't represent us, nigga. You married to a white, you got a white Jewish wife. Mm-hmm. And that the word Afrocentrism is a compromise of the word African. It should be African centrism. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Modern Afrocentrism especially as pursued in the United States, has solidified into a widely held set of beliefs. Yep. These views relating to an ancient Egyptian having been summarized as being that the ancient Egyptians were black, had greater achievements and greater influence on Greece and Rome than had previously been believed. Their civilization originated south of the, of the, of the Pharaonic territory and extended contacts mm-hmm that maintain the links to other African cultures, and professional Egyptologists have conspired to hide these truths. What's this? But, as Hall observes, there is an irony in Diop and his followers. Adopting naive, de- de- this, the, the, the European you just termed, it's called diffusionism. As an anti-racist creed, one African scholar has suggested that champions of Afrocentricity are often among the most westernized themselves. You see, so 
Well, I'm saying in 2015, who's still the African Revolution? Europeans and European raised scholars and any individual who's supporting a Eurocentric philosophy and scholarship without going into the details is still betraying the movement. Because first off, what's the first indication that, that, that he's one of them? When he is, when he will be black in skin and black in culture and will call himself a black Hebrew or black Muslim. Remember, he's just a black, he's just a dark face, he's dark skin cracker. But he, but being in, even with his dark skin, he'll refer to you and I, brother B, anybody on this line, as being an Afrocentrist. That's term Europeans use us. So that's you regurgitating your, your master's title back on your own people. That's the first thing you're going to see. That's self-hating comment right there. That's not the way right there. But in 2015, what the European is saying, because I was told in this class, and I think I mentioned it a while back, I was told if I cited St. Cadillac's work, I would get an F for the paper. Right? Mm-hmm. Y'all remember that? Remember I kept saying that I was hot. And uh-huh. niggas ain't picked this book up yet because the book is titled Inventing Africa. So for, for, I'm the only nigga that I, I, I'm raising my hand up every chance I get. I'm dissecting this book. I'm the only nigga reading it in the class, right? And I'm like, what it's doing is it's sending a message to Europeans' children. And to, because every, every generation, Europeans update the books. They, this, this book is testimony that these crackers are watching the black revolutionary movement and are listening to who we're defending as being scholars and to make sure that the young generation don't know about them, they're slandering their names. Mm-hmm. So when they hear about us representing black Egypt, they're going to say, oh, I read about that book, and Inventing Africa. See, this is a form of modern Afrocentricity. See, that in, in America, it's solidified as a belief. Yup. And, yeah. and these views relating to ancient Egypt are summarized as being as follows. That the black Egyptians were black, and they had great achievements and greater influence on Greece and Rome than previously believed. Get out of here. Their civilization originated in the south, way south of the, uh, of the Pharaohic territory, and extended contests that maintained its links to other African cultures. And professional Egyptologists have conspired to hide these truths. Ain't that what we believe? Ain't that what we be defending? Mm-hmm. So when they hear that rhetoric, they're going to say, oh, I read about this in that book. Yeah, it's just reverse racism. They're just being racism. And then yeah. listen, to, get, to convey the motherfucking black who ain't reading this book, he going he gonna, to he gonna quote, this is the end of this chapter, he going to quote a, a, a house nigga. But how, this is the house nigga, observes, quote, there is irony in Diop and his followers adopting naive diffusionism. Diffusionism is, is an anthropological term when they say that culture is spreading. So, that, okay, for example, when you see a new culture pop up, so when they say diffusionism, meaning the, the diffusionism is what he's addressing when they say that the, 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 uh, the culture started in the South and has links to other African cultures. That's called diffusionism. He's saying it's adopting naive diffusionism as an anti-racist creed, end quote. One of African scholars has suggested that, quote, champions of Afrocentricity, this is a nigga talking, are often among the most westernized themselves. Then he goes into Black Bernal and Black Athena. And remember that debate with Dr. Clark, right? Yeah. We mentioned Mark Bernal's work all throughout. He got, I'm going, page up the page, Egypt, Mary Lickowitz, 
but he never mentions Dr. Clark. Never mentions Dr. Clark. He mentions George, uh, uh, James Stone legacy work. Feel me? They listen to what the fuck we said and it's trying to spew it out as being reverse racism. So don't think the European don't know what the fuck, you know what I'm saying? Now, here's another thing. And this what it goes in the to take. The, the classification of a large Afro-Asiatic language family. Y'all heard this shit before, right? Mm-hmm. This is cool now. This, this is from a European. Because they ain't going to cite their work. They just going to regurgitate to you and say, that's what they say in the book. But they ain't going to tell you book book. I'll tell you how. He accepted. He's talking about Brunel. He accepted the classification of a large Afro-Asiatic language family distinct from the Indo-Hittite family. Ain't no such thing as a Hittite. We know this. Feel on the ground. We, family, we, we go through this. An enlargement of the classic Indo-European group. Damn, classic Indo-European group? Okay. He linked the spread of both these to the spread of agriculture. Both he accept, but he accepts the argument of those linguists who identify the common language ancestral to both of these nostratic with an origin, early origin. It's blase blase. Basically, the Afro-Asiatic family is one of four continental language groups. This is how they're tying in race and language. Remember, as they go about this shit, brother B. Uh huh. They, they have to use this language group because this is how they have to connect the, the motherfucking Homo erectus back into Africa because the time period is just too, too, too. Oh, you know, we got us in Africa. They still looking shaky. You mean to tell me the oldest motherfucker is way out there? But let's listen to it. The Afro-Asiatic family, whatever that is, is one of four continental language groups that the great historical linguist Joseph Greenberg, a Jew, had identified along the Nile, Saharan, Nile, Congo, and Koshine. Ain't what the linguist going to tell you? He regurgitated Joseph Greenberg's work, y'all, which is the associate of the pre-Iron Age. Remember I told y'all? Communities of South Africa, the San Koi, Brisbane, the Koi Koi. Remember I told y'all that we have a, uh, they have to, to show you that our, 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 our shit is so solid in time the Africans skipped the Bronze Age. We went from play, we went from the Stone Age. They based it on technology. We went from playing with stone technology to smelting iron. Everybody else went from playing with stones to to, to bronze, then the iron. I think it's easier to make iron. I mean, the bronze too. Brunel suggests links between Afro-Asiatic and Khoisan languages and places its origin to the Rift Valley of East Africa. This is what the cracker did. Brunel was right when he did this, and this even though. This is the African language. They're trying to tie in the Asiatic without giving credit to the, the African culture spreading. After this daring suggestion, Bernal returned to his main theme of Egyptian and Semitic. Fuck this is Blase of a Greek language and Greek civilization with an emphasis on a constant, uh, 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 constant similarity in terms and place names. Few authorities, few authorities will find this strong supporting evidence for Bernal's major thrust of the influence. See? So he's saying, he's looking at the end, he's tying up and saying he's, he's, he's influenced by the Negro. Good states and new states. He's, he's questioning Basil Davis' work. I'm going to stop right there, but Europeans are updating their books every day and getting house niggas to regurgitate their theories back to you as being actual and factual. So that food's still betraying the African Revolution. 
in both make our opinion. Black power. Black power. Lines is open. <clears throat> Welcome to Slaughterhouse Saturday. I'm getting it in. And the question is out, is the theme to you right now. The question is out to the audience. Family, who do you think is the train of African Revolution in 2015? I can't see the lines, but I know the lines is out there. I know y'all open. The question is, who is betraying the African Revolution? Is, uh, do I got that right? Yeah, who is betraying the African? Who who do you think is betraying the African Revolution in 2015? Uh, there's a lot of a uh, uh, few that I think are betraying it, uh, and in particular. I would say those that are African, but um, not African in mind. Those that espouse, as Guest 11 is here, that the Africans of ancient Kemet were mixed. And calling that science. Despite the work of Sheikh Anta Diop, despite the work of Theophile Binga, and others. I find it simply deplorable that you regurgitate the lies of your enslaver, physically and mentally. It's shameful that you would tell such a false claim that originates out of the perverted mind of the people who stole your ass and brought you here. Like, Paul, you want to give any, any uh, that's definitely a, uh, a good summary. Is there any specifics, any specifics that you, anybody you can put aim on, any eyes, you got a bird's eye view, on any on any Negroes we need to put checks and balances on? Right. That's not a right or wrong question. In fact, the only wrong answer is the one you don't give. You know, it's more or less on the personal note. As the individual, because, each, each, you know, we are individual ants in this black revolutionary ant army. So the question I ask, you know, we ask tonight to the individual ant, you know, who do you personally fear? You know, because we are indivi- individual independent studiers. And we all got a, 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 a drop of this knowledge. When we come together, we, we, we got an ocean of information. And we got an ocean of information now. So, we, you know, we're looking back to those who brought that drop. And, and what was that drop you brought? Now, who do you feel personally? And, and, and you know, who, who seems to be, you know, in your eye or opinion, holding us back from getting to where we need to be getting off, you know? Um, I would say uh, definitely Bistro and um, the Black Neocolonial Squad. Genie, those types are uh, Sarchetta, and those that fall under his umbrella. Because with all of them, either they're trying to stagnate it through um, misdirecting our people from a real African-centered perspective, 
to their own agenda or pretending to be African-centered but leading our people to the perspective of the very enemies that they claim they are opposed to through their ideology. And then you have that other group, like Sardinetta and Politinum, who are manipulating or profiting through manipulation of our people's desire to know themselves, uh, wanting to change their environment, coming up in the hood, realizing that shit is fucked up, not really being able to put your finger on it or articulate it, you know, because you don't have the information behind it. To put people out to our people that are searching information, that are pushing religions of perversion, is only to keep them confused. And it, it's really a disgrace. It's a disgrace to the ancestors on, on, real, on, on a real serious level, I personally feel. You're working. The work that you're, that you're doing is the work of the enemy to keep us at bay. Uh, thank, uh, thank you very much for the community being so candid. You knew that you won. You knew that you won. You know, we will get uh, we will get the suit du jour on, and the rest of him and the rest of the crew will be. You know what I mean, right now we really don't feel. I'm gonna tell you personally, I really don't feel it's too much to even stay true. It's not too much to be said. We don't have enough, you know, when you, you, you listen to him, it's not too much to be said. You're just looking for change your ways, man. Go do your shot. Change your ways. That's about it. Uh, uh, it's not too much conversation. Uh, any, any other family out there on the line? Before yet. So the call goes by hey rule, brother little. I don't know who else I can't see. I'm blinded tonight doing a little just finished doing a little move into a new house. So we're trying to put that thing together. I don't got no Wi Fi tonight, so I can't check the room. But for all those who are out here, thank y'all for coming in and throwing out Saturday open line. And you know what it is, who's still concerned out the revolution. Well, we'll finish reading it until niggas want to speak up. Come back to the uh, Bible Court. In the United States, a fight for equal pay for teachers was converting into a fight for equal education. What called the larger issue to the attention of people previously unaware of the significance of the situation was the Montgomery bus boycott and the emergence of Martin Luther King Jr., King emerged into a situation which was created before he arrived. He was drafted and placed into the situation. A very common man named E.D. Nixon was really in charge, and he chose Martin King Jr. to head that movement. Nixon was a common, ordinary man, Pullman Porter type. He not only split 
Infinitives, he created some new ones. Hmm. All of us have to remember that English is not our mother tongue. And if we want to chop it up once in a while, that's our privilege. Just don't chop up Aruba, Igbo, or Hasha. These are our mother tongues. We should speak them correctly when we get around to speaking them. As for English, well, we weren't born with it. It was forced upon us. I'm dying. I'm trying to point out that because we sent students to school without giving them nation missions, when they came out of school, they didn't understand the nature of their commitment to us. But in the Caribbean, they become English. In the United States, they become, quote, I'm an American. I'm an American. The only way that you can find out whether you're an American is very easily try to catch a cab downtown. If you can't pass the tab cabs, get it. The cab driver doesn't care where you're from. They bigoted cab driver is better and they better pan African than most of us. <laughs> he looks at us the same way. Once the civil rights movement began, it moved by leaps and bounds. It took on a different meaning after the Emmett Till case. Seriously studying the impact of the Emmett Till case and the events leading up to the March on Washington where the movement began to stagnate. The whites threw out some money, almost a million dollars, between six organizations with an agreement that they'd all work together. Working together killed their creativity, and soon the money was gone. Nothing was happening. Then came the killing period. Kennedy, then Malcolm, then King. Politics of assassination. That time, the politics of assassination is happening in Africa and the Caribbean. The politics of exile and banishment. Keith Henry has written a Ph.D. thesis called Tigers Abroad and Meek Moses at Home, Conservative, Conservative Radicalism in the Caribbean Mind. Ooh, that's like a good book. I got to get that. Tigers Abroad and the Meek Moses at Home, Conserv Conservatism, Radicalism, in the Caribbean Mind. He deals with the conservative factor of the Caribbean mind at home and the radical factor away from home. It's a phenomenon that deserves a, at least two or three more PhD theses. My radical orientation in my early years in the New York City became Caribbean radical to a great extent. One of the Harlem, Stephanie of Harlem, Raphael Powell, Jay Rogers, Richard B. Moore, Petition, all of these groups were fighting for the independence of their respective islands. Some of the best debates I've ever heard were calling attention to the writings of some of the finest Caribbean scholars who are forgotten now. I never hear anything mentioned. T. Albert Marichaud of Granada and the, his cycles of civilization. He was one of the few radicals that stayed on in Caribbean, on in the Caribbean. He did not migrate. He died there. I saw his son in Barbados. He was totally, he, he has totally disgraced his father. He's nothing but a white woman chaser. That's a tragedy that pops up most 
That's a tragedy that pops up in the most unusual places. <laughs> in conclusion, the United States during the Civil Rights Movement, young people who worked for $10 a week and wore blue jeans opened up the doors for a generation of blacks to go to school that they never would have been able to go to. A generation later, those same blacks began to look down and then knows that the very people who opened up those doors, my aunt, one of them. My papa was a painter and paid for her college and shit. Now she fucking, that's just, but some of them began to advocate the closing of doors in the face of those who had opened the doors. An army of traitors appeared in the whole African world. Damn, read that again. An army of traitors appeared in the whole African world. They are paid traitors. Some of them are some of them are in the government. Some of them are called chiefs. Some of them are heads of states. Some of them are papyri. Some of them have gotten gotten it by having a Mercedes Benz, some Swiss bank account, and the premium of the European woman, which is very easy to get. And she is between the Mark of Washington and the Southeastern Mother Malcolm X and Mother King Jr. need to be seriously studied. These were the years when a lot of people throughout the African world were selfishly betraying the ideas of the, Af- of the Black Revolution and making peace with the enemies of African people the world over. These fakers and traitors had fought very little, if they had fought at all, and announced through their actions that they were tired of fighting. The African Revolution had been betrayed on all points. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, uh, interesting thing that you, you said, though. <clears throat> interesting thing that you said, was that you, uh, you know, it's interesting where, you know, certain things pop up in the community. You know what I'm saying? Interesting how sometimes they pop up. But, uh, I'll just look at college, son. When we start to look at, uh, I don't know what they call him, Farrah Gray, I guess that's his name, Farrah Gray. You look at Farrah, that's just one of those same things where you look and you're like, damn, how did that happen? How did it come up like this? You know, okay, I guess that's, that, you know, that's something that the racism and white supremacy must have, it, it, it must have got some real deep, it got some real deep roots shit. Because it's surely can get us to forget about this hate, maybe. Forget all about who you are, where you come from, hate stuff, and maybe. Black House family, as I tell you, you know, the line, the line is open. You want to get your voice out come in, man. Give, me, give us your opinion, man. What's going on next? Don't be out there crying. But, um, you know, I'm I'm looking at, I'm like I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, who was trying to ask the revolution. Uh, and another thing I'm thinking about is media, man. You know, anytime, you know, we we not, if you're not on the, uh, in the job of 
awakening Africa, pushing a total African viewpoint and perspective, meaning that you, you read literature, you, you dissect it, and you give it back to an African mannerism, you know what I'm saying, in our art. And the only thing you can do is debate them, then we don't need you, man. We don't need you. We don't need you at all. We need you in our community, not at all. So that's what we're going to do. Yes, sir. And the theme for tonight is we have some the independent African revolutionary. You know, who's on your radar? Who do you see as the nigga at the job, in the class, down the street? Who do you feel? What, you know, is contributing to the uh, portrayal of the African world revolution? I don't get Let's see what's going on in here. Let me make sure this is passed around. So this is a, a timely topic, and, you know, we want to make sure we don't have to revisit this uh, again. We don't have to make this a slaughterhouse where we bring in uh, food. We don't have to bring food into the table on this. You know what I mean? Because right now what we're doing is we're basically going over, going over the menu. We're going over the menu right now, seeing what selections can be had. But trust me, we don't have to bring food to the table on this topic because, uh, it just has to be done. It just has to be done. We have to, you know, we have to, if nobody else is going to hold the line and make sure that the uh, proper person pass after the first, second, and third, then we're going to have to be done. We're going to have to be those people. We're going to have to be the ones who do it. Because everybody else, as you said, they seem People shoot the death. Yeah, I agree, brother. Boy. I agree, brother. Boy. You know what I'm saying? Because over from the ground, we ain't slaughtering. We ain't slaughtering traders on slaughterhouse Saturday. We're training family on how to slaughter traders. You know what I'm saying? And the best way is when you can get an idea from your immediate family, your group, your, your small family. You know, because oftentimes we train not to talk because we not we train not to talk about the, the shit we go through because the European knows through poverty comes understanding, through understanding comes grouping, through grouping comes organizing. So we've been taught to, you know, to, we've been, we've been in potential with European egos. And, 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 and the, the ego will always de- defend the principle of the cultural principles you've been taught. So if you've been, if you've been in cocaine, I mean, Brother Solomon's word, a nigga who I ain't seen in a long time. It's kind of hard to, you know, straddle that line. But when you're being inculcated by European, the first thing he, what he's doing is he's planning his culture with you. If you don't take nothing from this discourse tonight, take this. Dr. Johnny Clark, uh, other people in the line, all we're saying is that the European, because he has small numbers, he knows infiltration is the best method of warfare when it comes to that. He, he has no problem now just like he has in the past, we're putting blackface, white law. 
It's better that way. You can talk to your people. You can tell your people, you know, you can you can better explain to your people why I'm running shit. You see what I'm saying? No. Yo, Mr. Ryan, you know you're saying that shit, right? Look at that shit that happened in Baltimore. Black state, white ball. We look at that shit, right? All we seen was crackers. Crackers was beating up. They had, had the buck, right? The crackers had that buck. But when the indictment came out, when the indictment came out, it was black state, but it was white law. Because you see, now, it wasn't no black people around that brother when you seen him get thrown inside that car in Baltimore. It was pretty great. But the indictment had three black officers. They couldn't just bring them white people. Had to act. Had to make sure. Negro was after me. Yeah. Should the European know, Bubby, for example, shit, this, shit that's been going on is very, very, very publicly known throughout the black shit. Throughout the black totality is being very racially motivated, right? Public relations throws confusion into the factor because if they brought on a very defensive European, it was it, it's like it's like being called. See, the race card in America is like the insanity card. The more you defend how crazy you are, the crazier you look. Right? The more a European tries to explain how non-racist he is, the more racist he seems. Right? They know this. Because they know you're dealing with an intellectual nigga who can chop their ass up. The one, the one to be high in it, right? With me, have one friend, one black friend. We, you know, we we know how they owe me the information, so it's better for them to put a black nigga out there. That's what's confusing. That's why we get confused because it's racially motivated. Something that's clearly, clearly wrong, and we should unify, do something. They send the black house nigga out, and what does that do with our? If it, 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 it agitates our energy. Now, instead of saying that crackers was wrong, we allow this one trained Negro to divert our energy from where the fuck it needs to be really going. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't even we shouldn't even acknowledge that nigga's comments. We should see him coming. Who? And keep moving on. If that nigga don't speak for it, don't even address what he really said. Let's get to the point. That nigga don't speak for us. There y'all go again. What do you mean? Y'all always trying to tell us who our leaders are. You just don't have to give us one. We didn't ask this motherfucker. There ain't no leaders in this movement. They know we are leader based. They by studying that. That's why they never tried, they don't tried that shit. They don't ascribe that shit to a. Uh, 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 Arab factions. ISIS don't work. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, and they and they the type that do they know that we, we we that type of people? And one thing that they learn is that you can't they can't create one. They gotta watch one grow up in the community, and then pull them out. You got to be part of the people. But people ain't going to accept them at all. You know what I'm saying? Once you become part of the school too long, man, you start to smell like white man. You just smell like them. You know what I'm saying? You look like them, you walk like them, you talk like them. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, you're definitely on, on point with that, man. We 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 are we out of time right now, man. We definitely got to be on the lookout for all those coming up under the guise of that African Union, man. And especially when, you know, listen, 
we hear people on some avenues and they say, you know, when you're on one avenue, you say one thing. When you're on another avenue, you say something else. I know that you can change your mind. People change their minds, people get more information. But there's some fundamental things that we can't change. And, and you know, once I see you changing all the fundamentals, and this goes to what Sister Jameer was speaking on earlier, once I see you changing all the fundamentals, where now it's all, uh, all things that are said to be signs are acceptable, it's just other things that we just can't accept. Then, but then at other times, when you're in front of other brothers, you like, you know, you got to question all of this. You just can't take it on face value. And then you tell me that I can ask any questions, and we got a problem. And this is just the type of uh, people that we're dealing with, and everybody looking for leadership. We're all looking for leadership. We need you to be yourself. Self save yourself, nobody else. If you ain't looking to save yourself, ain't nobody else looking to do it for you. Plus, there's some who might try, but it never happens. It never happens. I've never seen nobody, you know, uh, like if you was in the ocean, you about to drown. I've never seen a person can grab a person who don't stick their arm up. You ain't trying to stay you at yourself. You ain't trying to stay afloat. None of that. Yeah. No, that's out of here, man. And that's what I think a lot of these people, they ain't not trying to stay afloat. They go on, they, they then jumped off the African boat, stepped out into the deep water. So they could walk on the water. They thought they could walk on the water and realize that that shit is not true. African boat. Listen to this, brother Ben. The color races are highly acceptable of religion. It is a constitutive principle of their nature and an excellent trait in their character. But unfortunately for them, they carry it too far. Their hope is largely developed and consequently they usually stand still, hope in God, and really expect him to do that for them, which is necessary they should do for themselves. The Immortal Words of Great Africans, London, the Great Publication, Society, 1980. See, they think they know something about us. But see, that's what's going on now. We don't, we know... You know, not that, that, that being that truth has been related to Africans, we know Europeans have come up with this ideology that colored races are highly susceptible of religion. And Europeans know it's a, constitute, it's a constant principle of their nature and an excellent trait in their character. But they, we take it too far. They carry it too far. The hope is largely, their hope is largely developed meaning it could be manufactured, falsely manufactured, meaning, meaning even Europeans oftentimes give us things to complain about things we, we should defend. That ain't for them to pick and choose. That should be for us. The same thing they teach a mother should have the unjudgeable law to defend her child by any means necessary. That's a man don't have nothing to say on that because men pry on women, right? Let's be real. So the women gonna to have to be the conscious one to look after the well being of the child. I'm using the context but but by them by them warping your because all religions or all spiritual systems govern our morale. Meaning we base what's good and bad off that shit. Yeah. Because we can't live it, 
because we're not in our natural habitat, we have to live it out through synthetic means. So we got better time. Right, you know, that's through the overzealous screaming uh, and shouting that we do. But we can't live out the moral code that it tells us in our day-to-day life because of the way that the life, uh, the way life is around us. It's, a, it's an unmoral place. You can't live out the moral code that you have to do overzealous things. You got to be over the top. When you are inside the environment, make sure it's like that. So a lot of people will be called Jesus. Hopefully, can't help but to mention the shit about the Lord. That's how it is. And, you know, uh, we, we see how the church, you know, like you said, we see how the church. Always push the more, uh, always push the more envelope, but they're the ones in the, in the worst moral condition. You know what I mean? Because look at the condition of the community. If you're in the community and you need to spread the word uh, of the Lord, and and community that you live in, or the community that your church sits in is definitely without business, without any businesses owned by uh, community members, all owned by the church and things of that nature, then you already know that you're going to sell more of them. You know what I mean? You know, it's uh, unethical to watch a community die around you in poverty while you live good and see, uh, you know, live off of the the, uh, blood, off the uh, blood, hard work and labor, other communities. And you take those, uh, you know, you you take that and parlay it into your own wealth and, and never at once. Look into uh, growing the community because if you grew the community, what would happen? See, this is another reason why the church does what it does. If you don't have a a steady population of people who feel like they're oppressed or feel like they're down in need or sick and they don't shoot hell out, smoke crack, shit like that, you know what I'm saying? They ain't getting high like that, then they're going to need a fix at some point during their life. So once a week, they're going to get the Jesus juice and get fixed up, you know what I'm saying, and keep going. And if a pastor and a preacher ever gave you self-confidence and understanding that your self-worth and your place inside nature as a natural being, then money won't go in there anymore. So it's like a hand-in-hand thing. It works hand-in-hand, you know. Won't be no money in there at all. If they told you the truth, you wouldn't be there. So that's what the that's what you know, that's the reason that they lie. We don't need no other uh that's the reason why they if they told you the truth, you would not be there. Anybody wanna add on for me? So y'all out there going on family out there tonight, welcome to Slaughterhouse Saturday. Be getting y'all prepared for the thing that you need to be look on the lookout for when you're out in the community and dealing with uh people of the community. You know, um and one of the reasons that I hit Farrakhan earlier is because I had a conversation with one of my men and he's a real cool dude, mad shark, super shark dude. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, I mean um shark. Life skills wise, but not knowing and understanding, you know, 
when they are just coming through, uh, not when they yeah when they just coming into their garden, nah, or these folks, they coming into their more militant side of these folks, you know, he just he just coming into that type of that type of thing. He really looking at the beast like that beast that beast that beast before. He was like, oh, that's a, yeah, the white man ain't no good. But, you know, he wasn't he was sure that was deep. And now he's sure that um, that's the, that's the deep. But like I was saying, I was speaking to him. And he was speaking on uh, Sway. He said, hey, dude, DJ, a DJ named Sway. I know. I know it was a hot night in the or something like that. But anyway, he hosted Miss Sarah. He was like, I was like, oh, where are you? He's like, yeah. And I didn't know he was hosted by DJ Sway, too. So I was like, well, I said, oh, all right. I said, he was going to be strong. He said, yeah, yeah, that was true. I was like, he was like, I think it's both on. We're going real hard. We're going real hard. I was like, where are you? He was like, yeah, man. Oh, man. He was like, yeah, that's what we need. Get the power. Like there kind of thing, you know, he's going, going on like that. And I'm like, yo, you know, I just tried to pull his coat out to college. That's what I do. I pull his coat out to college. I pull his coat out to college and then start to think about how Farrakhan has a mannerism of speaking. He's a master of the English language, knows how to speak to you in a mannerism where you feel his militant. And thinking you are being as militant as what he's speaking of while being docile, while he is facilitated, while being super docile. He has to believe that being super docile like that is really wrong his show. And so that's why I went in on that one because I, I, I really see how powerful. You know, like I said, I on, you know, on Facebook, I think, you know, one of the good things about Paracon being on the Breakfast Club is that it helped open up the dialogue. Now, the bad thing is, is the dialogue that it helped open up is the people who have seen it could not put it in contact. Right. I'm going to finish um, putting this out there and trying to just listen there's a real crisis facing black educators. This crisis began a long time ago with things we must not, with things we must, with things we did not understand. I think reading about a scene of an African being forced on a slave ship, and he reads back and puts a handful of African dirt in his mouth. I think he understood more about education, more than most of us understood or understand. He understood the basis of the nation, land. Until we understand the land basis of education and the national basis of education, we will miss the point. Now, well, we have to do, now what we have to do is looking at education as to what extent our approach to education went wrong and to when we we stopped being innovators and became imitators. That basically is what is this speech about. This speech is about. In the 19th century, we began to 
be those things most unlike ourselves. And we have the golden opportunity to set a new tone in education, we try to be like our oppressor, instead of setting a new basis for education. In fact, true education has one purpose, one purpose alone, that is to train the student to be a handler of power, nothing more. If nothing more than handling power over him or herself, everything else is a waste of time. Power consists of control and understanding the elements of control. We have to look back at how we came under control and how during the 15th and 16th centuries, Europe locked us into what Professor Ivan Sertiman calls the 500-year room. Into this 500-year room of history, the European not only colonialized the world, they colonialized information about the world. I understand also the Europeans had come out of the 700-year room. <laughs> While, while they put us in a 500-year room, they themselves probably came out of a 700-year room. Let's get into that, family. After the decline of Rome, for 700 years, Europe was pinned into Europe and had to fight a war against so-called infidel Arabs. The fear of infidel Arabs and Islam barred Europe from the Mediterranean. Europe feeding on itself, a poor diet indeed, went into the Middle Ages, and Europe had to restore its confidence. Europe restored its confidence and built its fortunes at the expense of African and Asian people. You have to understand how Europe came out of this misery at our expense, built the so-called new world, and rebuilt its economy by placing us into a 500-year room. The basis of education for a new reality is to pull us out of this 500-year room. We have to understand what went wrong with our education and to understand the 19th century in the African world. The 19th century in the African world may have been the largest and the greatest century in the whole of the African world outside of Africa. This might be the century that we have to go back and understand in order to survive the 20th and 21st centuries. We produce the finest minds that we have produced since the decline of Egypt and the Nile civilization in the 19th century. We produce the rebels, the mentality, the realists in the 19th century. This is the century of Frederick Douglass and Martin Delaney. This is the century of the great ministers who tower over Martin Luther King Jr. and were more realistic than Martin Luther King Jr. Taking nothing from King, this is the century of Henry Highland Garden, whose motto was resistance, resistance, resistance. This is the century of a search for Africa again. This is the century of a great black woman, Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman. We have forgotten that century. We will not orientate ourselves in the 20th century until we go back to that century. And I'm just taking, I'm just talking, and I'm just taking, I'm just talking about the United States. Now let's go back to the Caribbean islands. When we look at the Caribbean islands, there's a century of physical resistance. Let us go back to the South America, especially Brazil, where blacks brought into being two black nations. This is where blacks arriving from Africa by past the action block went to the hunter lands and formed African nations. Palmari lasted 110 years, but highly lasted almost as long. Where dimensions of African cultural continuity produced the most 
successful slave revolts in the history of the world, mostly in Jamaica. When we look at Jamaica and Haiti, you will wonder why. If Jamaica fought longer or harder, why is it that Haiti brought, brought off an independent state and Jamaica did not? Haiti fought over a short period with a great degree of consistency. And when Haiti hit the French at a strategic time, when Napoleon was so involved with other European campaigns, the Turks, they, could, they couldn't bring it off success. They couldn't bring it off successfully. <laughs> when the Jamaicans were fighting too much, time lapsed between their revolutions, and the British could destabilize them. Jamaicans had to remount each revolution from scratch because of time. They will suppress the movement through time, family. The time lapse did not give them the faculty to bring forth a nation. While the total of the Haitian Revolution, there were more than one, happened over a 20-year period. Let us examine the 19th century over and over again, all over the world, especially the Caribbean islands. Let me stop right there. So this is when Darwin wrote that motherfucking book, y'all. <laughs> Huh? The 19th century. That's the 1800s. Just to come here, is it 1859? Just to be exact. When you look at, when you take that context that Dr. Clark just painted, the 19th century is the most radical revolutionary throughout the world. From the Caribbean islands touching every English colony. Charles Darwin is an elite. Charles Darwin, most abolitionists either didn't benefit from slavery, and those that did, they were the ones who were privileged and came up with rationale, like science, social science, and science too, to prove why, they, why, why it was legitimate business. Look at the title of his book. And this speaks right to that African Revolution. Origin of species or the preservation of favorite races in a struggle for life. What are they struggling for? <laughs> huh? Because at the same time, we're producing geniuses. And we're producing geniuses. We're producing military geniuses like we're doing right now. Every nigga when niggas know their motherfucking role, it's a problem. It's a problem. When niggas know their role and don't need no instructions, we just have meetings. And then when it's time to go there, we just, what do they just say? What are they, what are they planning? <laughs> you wish you knew, huh? And if I knew, I wouldn't be inclined to tell you. So, brother, Mr. Rock, listen, um, I asked the question. How hard is it, to, you know, when we when we looking? How hard is it to, you know, how hard should it be nowadays in 2015 to really find out these things? Um, um, well, I think what were some of the lessons that that had already been learned for some of our people to be able to take heed to us and things that you utilizing your own life right now to make sure that you don't fall into the trap for one of these from who's to race. 
What got us this far was being conscious of the past. That's what got us this far. To keep a slave submissive, he must know day-to-day history. And, and must not, he, he, he better not remember too many, he, he, may, he may not, he, he better not remember how often he get his ass whooped. Because in that show, and they got good memory. If the memory ain't serving the master, it got to be cut off. See, all other people have suppressed their history but the African. Even though, because <laughs> every other people have been successful. I'm talking about non-Africans, non-Europeans. How have they been able to middleman them with? That's why they are middlemen. They're, they're taking advantage of the racial overtone that the Europeans have gave the world. Well, they're at the top and we're at the bottom. So they just all they're doing is playing middleman. You see what I'm saying? That's all they're doing. But by doing so, they've compromised history about themselves. They've even compromised rebellious plus history about themselves. Now, if you look at the attention that we get, the purpose for European I mean, if the people all people all there say, well, the past is the past. It happened way back then. And if it was so well documented, there shouldn't be no historians left. That's true from an African perspective. But when you are a European and you're dealing with the oldest people on the planet in your power, you have to read, constantly have new generations to edit shit. You see the point I'm making? Education. That's where it starts. It starts with looking in the mirror and liking what you see because you can tie it back to a part of history. And everybody got their own favorite part of history because everything has a history. But don't let your history get you so so far-fetched where you don't even know your reality of this situation since you're living in today. You see what I'm saying? So the first thing, first, I mean, you can be, see, you have to make a man a slave, brother B. You can't make a man a slave if he got good memory and he knows his history. The best way to make a man a slave is to, is to first miseducate him on what he is. And then to be able to put a, a, a coach in place to defend that. Which means to, 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 to uh, basically defend itself to promote the culture in every way possible. What's the culture in America? To suppress the the African, you know, so like Dr. Clark said, the first thing that the first change, the first change you have to unleash is the change that's been put on your mind. Motherfuckers tell you you can't question. They told you, say, see, when motherfuckers tell you you can't question this science, the first thing you should change the African, that sounds familiar. Who told you that? The same nigga who gave me a, a, a book before science. It was called the Bible. So the first change has to be of your mind. You should be in a position to question any information at any time. And to question it is to be is being scientific. <laughs> If a nigga want to use that medium, but I just tell you the whole that that the whole discourse is not being educated. 
if the education is not being shed on constantly, remember, reminding you of your predicament here, what it took that got you here, those who put the sacrifices, that's what educating is, hopeful. That's what gives you your vigor, your spirit. If you notice niggas who don't got a solid, niggas that say, nigga, how do you be, because, nigga, I, I made it my business to refine myself and, and cope myself in my history. So anytime I have a insecure spot in my own personality, I'm going to go to uh, uh I'm going to go to history book. I'm going to find some greatness in my people. You see what I'm saying? Individuals, you know, who kind of confuse, straddling both lines against the fence. They kind of contorted on what reality is and how it pertains to their history and how reality of things are now. Dr. Clark said it the best. History tells the people who they are what they are, what they must be, and eventually where they must go. The history of relationship to the people is like a mother to a child. Another quote, too, for you. Henry Highland Garrett would go to Jamaica to rest up from the wars in the United States because the activists of Jamaica had enough freedom to invite him. When he discovered that the condition in the United States had not changed, he thanked the Jamaican hosts and said, in effect, I'm, quote, I'm quoting, too, I'm returning to the United States not to ask for justice because I don't I don't expect it. Not to ask for integration because I don't want it. I'm returning to the United States to devote the rest of my life in the effort to tear down that republic. You quote. You know, Brother Mikarad, you, you have me thinking. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about <clears throat> uh, Marcus Garvey in, in, in relationship to the fact uh, or what I feel um, is going on for those that uphold him, that, um, you know, espouse uh, RBG 
that are supposed to be African-centered, they never seem to talk about the Marcus Garvey that demanded retribution against our enemies. You know, they want to talk about Marcus Garvey, um, thoughts on economics and, and, and its impact in terms of helping our people survive in this uh racist society, but they never talk about the Marcus Garvey who economic economical vision for our people was a vision that he saw coming after, you know, we got retribution, after we overthrew our oppressor and this false reality of our oppressor. What is your take on that? Do you see that? Have you heard that? Do you see that? And if you agree with that, why is it that that is not the Marcus Garvey uh, philosophy that you hear being espoused by, you know, so-called African-centered people? Uh, I only could think of one off the top of my head, and that would be the General Sarah Sutinsetti. Oh, yeah. Uh, Seti uh, helped wake me up to a lot of uh, information that individuals. And the cold part is he not only did Seti get the information out, Seti put the information out and said, nigga, your teachers know this. And I ain't talking about teachers in school. I'm talking about teachers that I was a Muslim 10 years running. And, as a, and, a, and when I was a Muslim, I was more, I was just embedded in the shit as I am in this movement. And if your ass wasn't a Muslim, I wasn't talking to you. It was a kufar. If I wasn't giving dawah, you know, I, 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 you know, I didn't engage in idle talk with no kufar that would get me off my off my base, off my foundation. And I kept myself because it's the same thing. You you gonna keep yourself around those that's gonna keep you in high spirits. And those 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 that be the individuals serving those tenants. Even if you find an individual who's highly religious, like black Hebrews and black Muslims. And you can tell, I'm giving you my insight on this. You can tell that them niggas really ain't serving the tenets of that faith because they don't, they don't find the security blanket. They say, I'm secure with this base right here. Right here, the family members like down the line, knowing where they stand on certain positions of history and what, what they choose to defend on history and how they fit. And we can all agree that history is, is the essence of, 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 of totality and how these religions have been used against us. The man that's I get insecure when the individual comes in who's not firm on that right there, who don't know either the history of their religion or the history of their people prior to that religion. See what I'm saying? So that's 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 what's that's what's going on right now. But that's the proof right there. So when you see individuals, and I got to call names, just slaughterhouse. When you got individuals like shit, even Solomon, because he used to be. Rock with us, and the niggas been rocking out with these other cats, and have everybody else on that show and not acknowledge old family members, and kind of show me, you know, you can look like a scholar when you hang around them with the ignorant. And instead of teaching, see this 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 show promote thinking. This is a free thinking uh, uh, show right here, and, and, and actually form right here. We promote free thinking right here. We look for people. We want radical new ideas, radical new ideas, because we're familiar with old rhetoric. We're familiar with old lives because we study history. The other individuals ain't going to give you that type of insight because they're looking for variety. 
She said, say, we're looking for notoriety, but got notoriety through truth. That's the proof of my heart right there. Because she put the spirit of truth in other individuals, and that truth right to this day. To some extent, they lay their hands on that young man, they know it's going to pop off. That's one reason why, because this is a, a new movement. And if the loyalty, our loyalty is just kind of different. See, the Europeans don't know really how to deal with this movement. The Muhammad movement, when he started off, it was still faith-based. And the proof of loyalty show you after the, after the split from the nation. Those individuals that stayed in the loyalty of Farrakhan did so because of the faith, not the truth, because Kali was the truth. Kali was the truth. Mr. Farrakhan was the religion. He was the faith. And, and faith really is the idol belief because you're putting your promises in the belief with no real objective of going towards a, a true future in this reality. You can dream about uh, heaven all you want, but that's not reality, nigga. Reality is good and bad. You got some ups and downs, nigga. It ain't going to be every day. Even them, even them cracker elites have bad days. They be constipated from the smallest. They experience the smallest things as miseries. And my, my mama said, rich man, pop a pill, the poor man drink a beer. So, you know, Sandy, like you said, well, yes, he's the only one who I've seen because look at, look, look, look at his shield. His shield of his code of, of defense is African, knowledge of African history. And you can't fake it. You either know it or you don't. And, this, and, and everybody else can see that's the thing. It's not like a sports. It's not a talent thing. Every African should know it. It's, it's contagious. It's a disease like the cold. Anybody can catch it. Yeah, as an African, but the European knows this. That's why they constantly try to reform books, constantly try, constantly standing, paying attention to our small radical movements. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, these things to keep in mind. I don't take too much time. I know that people want to talk. Brother Mikara, how would you classify? Oh, first of all, what gave, in your opinion, what gave the rise to what we have today? Uh, these, I hate to use the word, but I'm, I'm have to say, so-called teachers like um, Bistro, aka Unc, um, you know, Minister Inky, them type of people, you know. Or that are being put in front of our people as teachers. What gave the rise to that, and do you see them as portraying the African Revolution? Uh, first off, hell yeah. And what led to that is Dr. Cox said it. And you got him, the imitator over the innovator. Said he innovated. Now you see everybody imitating. It's kind of like a slap to the face because niggas is taking debates with subjects that said he already did thoroughly dealt with and dealt with over and over and put free YouTube videos up because he wants to know the information. And niggas that have debates and won't even cite his work. But talk scholarship. Why the fuck will Ugg be in New York trying to show Sandy a debate uh, last year? He already gave the world. Because he's not a fucking innovator. He's an imitator. 
See, every time a great invention comes off, you're going to have knick-knack shit that's going to come up. See what I'm saying? That's what's going on right now. Because if it was truly what it was, they wouldn't be taking the same medium. What's the same medium? They try to do the same, you know, the, 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 the PowerPoint, the, uh, the passion in the show. Niggas ain't even changing their styles because what Seti did. Trying to appeal to a more uh, a radical crowd, so they're trying to be more radical. That's how, and, and that only has to compromise knowledge. You can be a nerd and be radical as a motherfucker. That's who you are. But they're all trying to appeal to the same medium because they're imitating and they're not, and they're not, and they're not innovating a new message, or not even. You know, you can, you can, you can innovate old things. That's why, I, and that's my niche, really. That way, I can cite my work. That way, it's not the rant of a madman. I got documented. Other Africans have said this before. I'm only in the car, and I'm just a vessel for African spirits who speak, who spoke this truth. And the reward is those. The reward is I get their protection. <laughs> But motherfuckers, will, you die and you're dead, but motherfuckers forget about you. That's what death really means. When, when, when that's, that, see, that's what motherfuckers forgot about the ancient African traditions. Motherfuckers get caught up in the word religion. It's really history. Knowledge of, knowledge of great ancestors, great elders, the defiance. The Africans defiant and forgetting. We, we will not forget that nigga. We, well, Europeans don't. They, He's dead and gone because he's physically going to exist. The African, you know, as long as you, you exist, my Malcolm X is still here in, in the hearts of every revolutionary. Dr. Clark's still here. Why? Because we refuse to let him die. He lives on through history. He lives on through your, through, I'm, I'm, you know, everybody I'm infatuated with is dead in terms of physical. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't really want to meet no living individual right now because they ain't great. You're not great to you, you, you know, to you to pass on. And motherfuckers remember you. See, motherfuckers, you got rich motherfuckers every day who die and are forgotten. That rotten motherfucker, fuck him. But you got poor motherfuckers who touch the harsh individuals who live on through history because these people, you know, won't let them die in their memories. That's all I got to say about that, sister. Shay, Brother Minkara, I have another question for you because I really want to get to the specifics of things, you know. Can there be, can you be African-centered, can you be black power and adhere to a religion of perversion? And does does a, such, and a person that is saying that that is possible, are they portraying the African revolution? First off, you got to know something about the individual. If you know this individual, you know, can their intelligence be measured beyond that faith? Meaning, 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 meaning. Religion don't determine your intelligence, frankly. That can be proven. You got some rich motherfuckers who think technology is evil. I want you to take some technology is evil, but they don't have common sense to be able to measure it on the scale and be able to rationalize between this being logically good and this is logically bad. You see what I'm saying? And that's really the problem. Problem being, <laughs> they, they, you know, sometimes when you taught a lie often enough, you think it's reality. And the crime is you try to convince other motherfuckers of that lie. So, what we speaking of? Yeah, yeah, uh, 
you gonna you gonna you gonna be you gonna have a bipolar complex because you gonna be conflicted at times. But but like I said, to go back to the intelligence of the individual. Now we know the individual like like Colin Muhammad. Colin Muhammad can be seen as an individual who clearly was black militant and was using the structure of the nation of Islam to promote black militancy. Would you agree? I say. Mm-hmm. But be, you know, you can see it was something beyond. It was something beyond the tenets of that faith that, that drew you in. And what's the proof of that? Because Khalid Muhammad drew motherfuckers to that, you know, drew motherfuckers to his lectures and his speeches who wouldn't convert to that faith but support him in his talk. That's the truth right there. But you don't have that right now with other individuals. You have individuals hiding behind organizations. And, and, and you see, that's what came in college. That's a college amalgamated coming. Sometimes you have the protection of the organization, but then sometimes you have the limitations of the organizations because you can't speak. You can't speak on certain issues because you it's more broader. You're speaking for a general audience or general people, but there's a luxury to it, right? That's the luxury I take. That's why everything I make sure I talk about is all generalized because as an individual, everybody got an opinion. And as an individual, I could be isolated. My individual finger be isolated. But as a as a unified black fist, I can sign and sit up your ass. So you should be black power first. And your black power will, will, tra- will transfer in any organization. But that ain't the case. And since that ain't the case, I wouldn't even advocate because the mentality ain't there no more. It ain't there at all no more. So no, sister community, you cannot be. No, because you're gonna love one and hate the other, or when you love in one, it's it's, it's gonna be a conflict, or you're gonna use one to break one up. It's gonna be something there. It's very rarely that they're gonna be sitting on equal terms, and, and and when they do sit on equal terms, it's gonna be when you're an individual speaking for an individual, not for people. It's like it's like okay, a mixed couple. Can he be black power and be in a mixed relationship? No. Why? Because the discussion is not going to go beyond, you know, back in the civil rights movement, you had niggas like Harry Belafonte, for example. You got white wives, but they're civil rights uh, movement leaders. Them niggas arguing wasn't like ours for equal rights and shit. Them niggas were arguing for the right to have their mixed women, you know, to eat in a restaurant with their white wife. And that's where the argument stops. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Bashir, for example, is portraying the African Revolution. Yes, uh, because Bashir, and I've told him this many times, he cannot be... He's a general example, thank you, sister. And it's the tenants who follow behind him are too, even the so-called member. Why? Why would I say this? I'm not standing out of jealousy. I hate them, you know. I wish the brothers, you know, the best in their endeavors and so forth like that. But I have to put the shit where it fit. What do you mean? First off, even in their faith-based foundation, it's not African. And you, I know. I was a Muslim for ten years, and even when I was Muslim, Muslim, I deal with African Muslims. There's a difference. My first two or three years was, was finding out the difference. Oh, 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 what Muslims was which. And the last seven, 
was knowing who, you know, and, and making the power line. You got yeah. factions. You got African factions. All I noticed this: all African Muslims, when you stand up for prayer, is ankle to ankle, no space. You got the Arabs and shit; they be spaced out. That's one. That's one difference. But let's get to the, the individual Bashir and his uh, crew. Oh God, all of them. Then they are awesome. Okay, first off, Islam is in. Abrahamic faith, that is Arabic in culture. Check. Check. So the first, so the first culture you have to separate from the foundational teachings of the tenets of the religion are Arabic, right? They're getting their interpretation from a Pakistani individual, and he's a Pakistani individual who is a traitor by his own people. And because when you look at the history of India. The nation of Pakistan came about through colonial influence. Hindus, may, may, they got some weird practices, but they're not with foreigners coming in, forcing culture on them. And the Hindus put the fucking Muslims in the same boxes, white Christians. Hindus is all Hindus are old ass religion, and they've been they've been they've been came across a whole lot of motherfuckers, but they don't they they tolerate. Balance, no force. The Muslims and the Christians, they have, see those are religious because religious deal with uh, cultivating force. The, 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 the you know it's strict enforcement. That's that's religion. When, you, when it's enforced rules within an organization, that makes it a religion. Now, they cutting the heads off of motherfucking Muslims. I, a good book I got in motherfucker uh, on Asian Asian cultures talks about this, and it talks about how. Uh, Asian, Asian cultures for this is that sub factions of the Hindus who are in northern India. Remember, all of them get touched by that, that caste system. Someone who couldn't escape that caste system used Islam to do so. Now, when you look at the fuck that nigga name is, and the court part, he came, the nigga Bashida came on the show and told us the whole history of his show himself. And then couldn't explain why he's still loyal to it. Akmahadi, whatever that shit is called, it's not even. Even Arabs got a problem with the shit. He say he better than Muhammad. Now, how you following this nigga and you calling them? First off, you going to a nigga who saying he greater than the Holy Prophet. You supposed to be following in the first place. You confused. Now, they do got African factions of Islam. I told this nigga about it. First off, they can't they can't be African centered and trying to appeal to us. Because they ain't even African centered in the Islamic traditions. They ain't even practicing African faction of their faith. You understand what I'm saying? Sister Camille? Why are you why would you be a Muslim? I know Muslims. And I know Muslims who grab black and green. But when I talk to them, them niggas are Somalians, them niggas is uh, 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 very defiant. And, and not only that, them niggas is they 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 don't play with Arabs. The niggas have the habitus. The habitus are culture that pre-exists Islam, but the Arabs use habits of culture to give life to Bilal. Never hear niggas talk about Bilal. But you throw African Senate, but you never dig up to one African, and you don't even accept most of the traditions in African about Bilal. So you can't be African Senate, and you can't be telling about African history when you don't even you don't even try to blacken up your faith. You don't even Africa, you don't even run with the African side of it. Okay, it's a myth. Okay, but the only truth in it. Only real motherfucker, and you don't. And I'm giving the niggas a hand. I'm giving them a hand. I'm gonna give them a hand to niggas. Just come here. 
the, the only connection of real culture of a tribe that can be connected to Islam that exists today is the Habesha. Where tribe did Muhammad come from? Any Muslims online? Come on, yeah. Where tribe did Muhammad Abdullah come from? The Kadesh was trying to kill him, right? The Al Kadesh, right? Are there, are there any descendants from Al Kadesh? Are there any uh, 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 empirical Arab family names? They Al Kadesh? Nope. But Habisha still exists. So if you want to convince an African base about Islam and how African go, I will, I will connect that. I will use that. But you can't even do that because. <laughs> Let me stop. They don't even play Northeast, Brother B. They play Southeast. The only ones who, the only ones who respect them in terms of are, are people in the South. Shiites. I didn't play with all the motherfuckers when I was a Muslim. Because the way I looked at them back then was the same. Other. Now, we know worse than the white Christians when we did that, Aki. Wallahi. Why are we making so many divisions in the Quran? This is how I was as a Muslim, but I'm still an African Muslim, though. You see what I'm saying? And this is how I found my, the African side, looking for it. And this is how I got to where I am now. <laughs> when, I, when I couldn't find certain aspects, when, when, when I've been studying shit for years, niggas couldn't tell about the slave trade in the era. I just started questioning this shit. Me and Heyru, that was my nigga, right? Still my nigga right there, because he was the only motherfucker who I'm like, am I crazy, my nigga? You know, me and him in the library, we going through facts, books. Damn. That motherfucker, oh, I keep, when, 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 when the facts to a woman, oh, I keep, you know, then now they're not focusing on the punishment, no, no, the forgiveness of Allah. But when I come in there with my gold chain on, when I come in there looking very African in garment, first thing you want to do is, you know, and I, you know, all the time. Oh, I keep, well, why does the Quran open up, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, why do we focus too much? It don't open up the punishment and wrath of Allah, it says the beneficent, the merciful. But see, like Kalama Muhammad said this. When he said the difference between the black Muslim and the, and the black uh, Arab Muslim, he said they need, when you, you gotta know the history of people. Look at the Arabs during Jalia. Them niggas were so, them niggas were more primitive than, the, 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 the saying was back then, uh, war broke off for 30 years. We saw Arabs before Islam because a camel drunk from a well out of time. 30 year war. They don't know who camel was, but they drunk out of time. So when you have that type of mentality, you have to have a very fearful God that has to punish them for doing every little small thing. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All this is in the I'm going to get back to this. It doesn't apply to us. Yeah, that don't apply. Yeah, Africans don't got no... Yo, listen, Africans don't have no God like that. And, you know, our God is, is, is not one that just is uh, uh, just a, a straight slaughter and murder, but also, you know, he uh, he also has uh he also helps you redeem yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in the religion of perversion, man, they they God keep your ass subjugated. Yeah, look you look and see one way Muhammad. Look at look at Islam, but it got a history to it. It's a myth, but it got a history. History. Why Muhammad Muhammad was successful? among Africans and among many female Arabs because he brought in reform for female treatment. What do you mean, Mikra? Look at the Sinjalia. 
Look at look at look at that shit in the Quran and tell me do that apply to us. When Muhammad had to get instructions from Allah to order the men not to bury their children, marry their daughters, because in Arab culture, if you had if your third child was a a girl, you had the right to bury that motherfucker. And they buried them while they were still breathing. Look at the Arab history. Why do you think Arabs blow themselves up today? Because the history they've been known for their torture tactics. Look what they did in the first convert. Balal. You only mention this stuff. Balal was the first African convert. This is what Arabs tell you. He was the first Abyssinian convert. Abyssinia is Africa that, that is an African colony that exists pre-Islam. It's a, 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 a it's in order to tell a good lie, you gotta have some truth to it. This is the truth to the lie. The truth is there was a country called Abyssinia. So you use one individual Abyssinian to bring some. You feel me? Well, it had to be real because the Abyssinians were real. Mm-hmm. Not protecting no no Quran, but this Abyssinia. Nigga, the Arabs, when he was a convert, it's their story now. It's their racism. Balal, he was a slave, too. He opened up his history beginning of slavery. Nigga, they were, the Arabs were buried, buried, buried waist deep in the sand and leave you out there. Or put you in full armor and put you in the sun and leave you out there. Look at the history. The first female convert to Islam was impaled. They took a spear through her anal, through her mouth. This was, this was the enemies. So he caused civil war among his own people before it even get to anything international or national. So you got something about them. They, 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 I mean, they conflict just like Europeans. So going back to the, the arbitrators, no, them niggas are not African-centered. But yeah, them niggas is not African-centered because them niggas, they're not even Africanizing the tenants. I had this discussion. We had this because other day going to talk about that. Why, you know, why? Okay, why all the Christian faction churches ask answer this question: Why did that cracker shoot up the AME Church? Do y'all know the AME Church still red, red, black, and green? The oldest African church in America. Now, oh, go ahead. No black Hebrew Israelite church because them niggas don't have a church or a temple or a synagogue. If they do, it's not a threat. Well, look, and what else? But I was in my existing. And that was also an anniversary date. But not only a Denmark existing too. It was also an anniversary date. And what day what day did Martin Luther King get killed? Did Martin Luther King get killed? Y'all pull that date up. Y'all pull that up. When you y'all go I look at the shit as the nigga being the coward, brother B, because obviously the white boy wanted to attack some red, black, and green, but he knew if he came to one of our factions, we wouldn't let him in and we'd take care of that ass. So he wanted to attack the, you know, the, the most peaceful faction of red, black, and green, the AME Church. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, nah, I am. I don't think the white boy had his own agenda, but I definitely spoke with, with exactly what you're saying about attacking that red, black, and green. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 all of that context is definitely very right. They attack that red, black, and green um, at a peaceful and a peaceful situation because they've seen already in mountain from the past year, they've seen our, our push towards militancy. Towards revolution, and so you attack 
not only do you attack a red vaccine, not only do you attack an AME, a church, you attack the AME church. You attack the oldest AME church down there in Tulsa. You attack the red, black, and green flag-waving AME church, and you attack Denmark Vissi AME church on the anniversary of Denmark Vissi being uh, merged. So you have to do all of this together. You know what I'm saying? And this is to put, you see, and one of the things is it's not that people want to overtly see it, but through it being played over and over in your head, you're going to get the understanding what they want to get. You want to see all the love, all the holding hands, sing along, sing along, sing a song, sing songs, you see. And they're going to be singing the song all on the fucking TV, and that's what's going to power up this and we should be singing songs, holding hands. Yeah, see, that's it right there. See, you know, you connected the face right there. See, so they keeping up with them. You know what I mean? They just they they just gonna control the emotion, which you still should attack, and which you shouldn't. You know what I mean? Fuck all that shit. Yeah. We got our eye right on the prize, nigga. You know what I mean? No, you, you gotta keep your eye on. You gotta keep your eye on that shit, man. You know, world like that. And the only reason I said that shit, um, both my brothers, because I, I, you know. That type of shit is the shit that I'm, I'm always interested when I see shit like that. Anything that comes on the news about people getting killed, a lot of people at any point in time, always looking through the news. And, and one thing that I found out was that uh, April, I mean, June uh, 15th to the 19th, they had a drill going in Charleston, South Carolina, an active shooter drill. So, just like in the Boston Marathon, where miraculously there would happen to be a, a drill phone, the same exact time that this bomb goes on. Okay. Now, that's one place. Oh, Sandy Hook. Connecticut, Newtown, drill going on, same day. Okay, you go to New York, Brooklyn, two cops killed. Drill going on the same day. Yo, you know how tight, listen, check this out. Let me tell you about Brooklyn, just the summer stuff why I tell you about the drill. The drill was going on so close to where the cops got shot that nobody, no what they would call civilian, ever got within one, shit, 50 feet, I would say, of the goddamn top part. To see exactly what went on. So, I, I, I just wanted to put that out there to the people. And there's a, uh, you can check the federal, uh, there's a federal website. I'm a uh, uh, F L E T C A. I believe that's it. F L E C T A. F L E T C A. I think that um dot org. I believe that's the website. Okay, and you pull it up. You look for uh, drill training. You look up the training. Um, training to come up, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, look up under the Texas Business Book of Foreign UFC. That Tulsa, South Carolina had a drill going on at the same time as that shooting when they had the AME Zion Church. Like I said, they used all that shit uh, however they wanted to go. Whether it's real or not, it was a drill going on. Hell yeah. I put this out there too, Brother B. Niggas need to study them Hebrew Israel. need to say the AME Church because the title alone makes it very exclusive, don't it? Hmm. Have you found a white individual from the AME Church? Well, let's, let's, let's look at how they let the nigga in. Let's look at the thing. The, the, they brought him in the church. They know he could. You think the white man was going to be a member of the African Methodist Episcopal Church? By being a white member of the church, you omit that God is black. And for the comments that they said on camera, they said exactly what Christians are supposed to do. Forgive our, forgive our enemies and so forth. They faction is supposed to talk like that. But they got some rebellious ass African cousins that's going to bang. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Go somebody look that shit up. The white members of the AME church, go look that up. It's not going to be that many because a white man ain't going to be comfortable because they all got a superiority complex. So, you know, a white member in the AME church... Gonna have a he gonna have a white a white moment. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see them being part of some of them other some of them other churches where black people might be at. But the African Methodist Episcopalian Church, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt it just because of their stance on black of uh, uh, making all of Christianity more black and blackening it up for for lack of better words. Now, I've seen black Hebrew Israelites have Mexicans, except Mexicans, bring Hebrews, bring whites into the, our debates. So, in fact, at the last one, they had a white motherfucker up there. I just, I couldn't even look at it. I couldn't even look at it. So, who had a debate? You said a they debate. Christians, but they, that's a good example. So, for Sister Camille's question. They had me try, you know what I'm saying? They uh, making an attempt or trying to be race first and still practice of religion and perversion. You see what happened? They got attacked by white supremacy. So they, they, they even if they perform it non-violently, they, they still revolting in terms of the church. They blacken it up. It's an African interpretation of the Bible. The Hebrews ain't doing that. They going lie for lie. So they're not going to blur the vision. I got more respect for Annie. My grandma came up to Annie Church. My mama with me. That shit produced Nicaragua shit. I got an African interpretation of that motherfucker first. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At the end, it's going to turn you, you're going to find, you're going to eventually be in Africa. So, yeah, that's a good example. It had nothing to do with the faith teachers. It was the fact it was African. It was an African method of Christianity. Shit. Wasn't no Hebrew. I mean, they weren't saying they was Hebrews. They weren't big enough to promise. They, 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 they were being realistic. Africa's the Eden. In fact, the, the Afri- AME Church got a long history with Africa. My grandma went to Africa many times. She said, Kenya, when she died, she said the African flag on it went down with the AME flag, red, black, and green. You know what I'm saying? So they know a lot of individuals. They know what they are. And their rebellion is more or less finding history for black enough. But these Eurocentric, dark-skinned Europeans, mm-hmm. And you know, you're saying that, and see, that's the difference. 
there's a difference between them and that neo-colonialism, that new black neo-colonialism, between the Anne Zion member, between your grandma, one who is looking for her African West, who is placing Africa in everything. The difference is one who has learned where Africa is, but then takes Africa out of everything. The neo-colonialism. Finding ways to 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 uh, uh, bypass African ideology when dealing with things. It has different than what your grandmother, where she added the African ideology to everything. We're going to add black faces everywhere. We're going to put African, you know, and to me, this is where I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. One added and one taken away. No matter if it's justifiable or not. I, I use this as an example, too. I remember this, too. When I, when I, when I converted to Islam, my grandma, you know, I, my, she, I didn't know everything about a nigga. You only had to, to tell her. You can hide a lot of shit. She, when, I, when, I, when I convert to Islam, all my other superficial aunts and shit and cousins who weren't AME. One of my aunties is Joe Witness. The other of my aunties are Seven Day Adventist, right? They didn't say it. They still love me as being nephew and cousin and shit, but they made adjustments when dealing with me. You know, I got nicknamed being too militant. But Granny, Granny, grew, up, Granny grew up around an era when the, the Muslim didn't get the Muslim name didn't get identified with a terrorist. It was identified with, a, with the black movement. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She had no problem with it. Yes. Only she would know how we pray. And she told, she told me, she said, you know, I offended you was going to be with the other people. And she mean it in terms of the rebellion, rebellion. She said, because you asked the pastor questions about the history that he couldn't answer. And when my granny died, when I went to a funeral, he remembered me, and I ain't seen that man in 15, 20 years. You know what I'm saying? I was a little boy. He remembered me. Uh, but that's the case right there. So she didn't, so she wasn't like superficially like my other aunts and cousins who identified with uh, air practices and so forth. She, she granny, granny grew up in the 60s. She was, she was my, she was having my mama and my aunties in the 60s when Elijah Muhammad and them was coming up. So she identified that with disciplined men, you know what I'm saying? Who know their history. More wrong. Because she knew I knew the Bible. She's not the motherfucking in and out. Because out of all my the grandkids, I pay attention to that motherfucking Bible study enough to have a discussion with the pastor. Feel me? Mm-hmm. But you are definitely interested, man, just to juxtapose, man. And, and as you said, we go for uh, yeah, the rest of the, the, rest of the guys here. Uh, they great makeup on. You know, uh, trying to take away from African reality. That's always, that's as always, though. I take an African, I take an African 
blatant lie for our a white man has to anything. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I'll take us first. But I wouldn't know what else to do. You know, another thing on the screen. Uh, uh, I, uh, I would like to say that, you know, take us off the news, 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 and more news on Tuesday, Tuesday, and Tuesday. I would like to say that. I know Tammy out there on the line, and I don't know anybody want to add one. Black Power family, I'm sorry. I'm caught up in the chat where there's a, uh, I don't know if this person is African. I would hope not. I would hope that it's a cracker beast disguising themselves. But speaking of loving, this person, guest 10, is speaking of loving your enemy. How it's wrong to hate. How it's wrong to hate a group of people who did unspeakable horrors to your people and continue to do it now. It's not like we're not still under the oppression of these people. It's not like their children have not benefited and also are, are enacting unbelievable acts and horrors against our people to this day. Through their justice system, their political system, through their educational system. I mean, how do they not see this? How can you? How can you? How do you not have? Well, obviously, such a person has no connection to their their history. They have what Brother Mikarov was speaking on earlier, in which Dr. Amos Wilson does a beautiful job of pointing out in the work, two works that I have of him right now, of his right now. It's incredible to me that you can be that disconnected from your own history, from your own people, from. The reason why you're here is because those people survived that. And you don't think you owe them something? You don't think that you're supposed to avenge them? You have no sense of loyalty to your own DNA? It's mind-boggling to me. I I can't comprehend such Africans. fact, they don't deserve the right to be called Africans. Their title has been it's been revoked. <laughs> it's so disrespect. They don't even understand the level of of disrespect to themselves. Utter such a thing. I mean, the level of cowardness that is breeding in such a person mm-hmm. that you would have love for the murder of your mama. And I say this is come here. You, 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 you just put some really good light right there. You said, you listened to a show a while back, and nigga said that the black woman wasn't God, right? Yeah, a uh, uh, bistro, aka Aunt and Nunu, aka Ngozi. Now, these niggas call this up the Amaral Squad, right? That's why them niggas was so quick to jump on the bandwagon against Umar Johnson. 
Ah, uh, little shit with the little concert stripper chick. Niggas want to interview and all that because they look at any means to exploit black women before they are venerated being a deity. Okay. Everybody I knew that stand on my art principles, they looking at the, the least the nigga ain't a faggot, right? <laughs> That's the bit the most logical shit. At least because it's been questionable. You got so many shit going on. You gotta weigh it out with outweigh the good with the bad and shit. Well, this the nigga ain't no punk shit. At least he still like women. But look at these niggas. How they jumped on it? They look at exactly as they can because them niggas want variety so much they gonna attack anybody who they feel is more intelligent than them niggas is. You know what I'm saying? When shit, when Mark Johnson just like it, he a mortal man. The thing is, when shit hit the fans, you gonna be a fan. When the nigga has some issues and problems, you gonna stick in there for the nigga. The most, the most easiest way that they swindle black men and slander black men's title was to, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sexual, you know, implications and so forth. Either he, he infidelity issues, either he uh, uh cheating on his wife, not cheating on his wife, but it's some, you know. Rape some girl. So it's always sexually orientated. You know what I'm saying? Don't fall for it, man. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I, I just, in fact, it was today or yesterday, I listened to that bullshit uh, with the sister that was messing with um, Umar on um, Bistro Show and shit. And Bistro revealed that he cheated on his girlfriend. I'm guessing with a sister that was trying to find herself, her, her African self like the other sister. And, you know, called it a scandal. And um, it came out. And he said that he admitted to it. So that's supposed to make him um, better than Umar Johnson or what Umar Johnson um, did in his personal life as opposed to him. And I found that to be insane. I mean, I couldn't even understand how you could do a show like that, you know, and giving that sister a platform, okay, because I don't know the sister. I don't know Umar Johnson. I don't mess with Umar Johnson at all. But what I will say about this is that, if the sister, as she said, came out because she realized um, she knew that he wasn't really about trying to get a school for our children, why didn't you come out with that while you were still with them? Why is this an issue for you now? So what he slept with this sister? How can somebody who got charged court, blown up apparently, I don't know about the shit, but this is what he said, blown up for cheating on his girlfriend with another sister, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess it's a sister, but I don't know now, it could have been a cracker beast the way they talk or the way he talking, uh, talk about Umar Johnson, how could you have a show on that? They number. Everybody need numbers. 
don't know. Um, you know, I don't know what the purpose was. Then all of a sudden, then then it was all of a sudden, ah oh, man, then I had to start looking deeper. Then all of a sudden, come on, man, that ain't flying. Now you had to look. Ain't look yet. We already was aware of this shit a long time ago. Some shit don't add up, but I'm not gonna come out and publicly explain it again and nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? He putting in a lot of he put he, he is doing uh, you know, even if you know it's something you you know I just don't agree with, but at the end of the day, right now he is not doing anything that I could say is more detrimental, excuse me, detrimental to the community than a pastor or a reverend and we don't run them out. We don't Around, you know, we don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't burn them out. We don't slander them. We don't just talk them up out of the community. You know what I mean? I see them all the time on a regular basis. We always got this privileged shit going on. Everybody got this privilege as uh, talk that's going on. Don't worry about that. Shit. Worry about that. You know, okay. People are, you know, they try to pretend we worry about the school. Let the people who put their money in worry about the school. You weren't going to donate. You got you, you already donating to who you're going to donate to. That's why I ain't worried about it. Uh, hopefully you get uh, That's my only thing. My, own, my only thing is <laughs> the fact that she would keep messages like that for the sole purpose of one day using it against the nigga. That's the only thing. I, you know what I mean? Her occupation, mm-hmm. kind of speak to that. You feel me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, you know, she, according to the text message, that nigga like him some black women. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> hey, he th- you thirsty now? You know what I'm saying? He doesn't be known, but shit, let's be real though. In 2015, that's shit. I'd rather hear about that type of nature of a nigga pushing up on something he likes than something that's not. She's a female. I don't know. Unless she come out and say she's a female, she got some good surgery, but she's a female. You know, you got shit motherfuckers questioning loyalty, you know, in the closet. Eddie Murphy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And a list of others and shit, so, you know. He ain't no, he ain't no celebrity like that, but, you know. And... and, and you see, I, I kind of relate to the nigga better because shit, nigga, nigga, even when you be smart, huh, niggas, we relate to, we like them good chicks, you know what I'm saying? That's real. I, you know, I kind of, you know, when you go out, you know, you want an intelligent, you want an intelligent sister that's from, from, from around the way, you know. <laughs> but being, she couldn't be conscious, though, and she only used enough for variety, you know, that kind of speak to her profession, whether it be if he was a rapper he was successful. He was a successful lecturer. It's the same, you know. And that's how I see it. Ashe. I mean, that's how I, I'm in agreement because, first of all, look, he, he, he didn't judge his sister by her profession. He didn't judge her mind or whether or not, you know, uh, she was somebody that um, was worthy of his, of his company. He, and and I love that the fact that it was around the way, sister. Okay, um, 
long as it's a sister, first of all, that's good for me uh, at, the, at the bottom of it. Then a sister that's African-centered out here and making her way and that he didn't judge um, her like she was dirt, like so many of our people that's supposed to, in this conscious community, judging her because of her means of surviving out here. Why he didn't pick a, a educated sister? Well, why do you have to have validation by your enemy as proof of you being educated? I got a problem with that. As do I. Yep. And it is so when he really, you know, opposites attract. But now you want, you know, but <laughs> he went to work on what he, you know, what he was attracted to. I'll put it at that. He's a psychologist, you know. And the true psychologists don't want to be around the motherfucking uh, people who think they're uh, sane when they really fucking vindictive-ass control freaks, rich people. You know what I'm saying? He want to work at the, the most simple individual, isn't it? You know what I mean? He probably slept good at that queen house or whatever. He wasn't went dealing with a son and all that. Now, his betrayal is, is what's going off on, you know, so it's more or less is he in trouble because he's not married and he's living a single life, or is he in trouble because he has some variety, which becomes acquainted with European type of, uh, <laughs> he has to have a, uh, you know, he's be married already or, you know, so it's more than his notoriety is what's in question because he's a nigga who got a little status and he's advocating African morality. And some will say his morality is suspect. What's that there? Tagging? Yeah, why? Are you spared? No, not yet. Don't spare him, man. Oh, yes, I am, too. What? I'm a little bit of mother thing. What was that? And that nest on that side? That's the one I got to spray. What the hell is that, man? Oh, you don't kill the wife. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that into the vaccine or is that a pinky? Have him spray, because if, if the watch see a black man, they're going to take anybody black. Have the mask and spray him. I don't want to equate nothing else. My bad. Yeah, you can kill the watch. But, yeah, that's why I see that situation going through family all. And it's really the desperate Negro. Them niggas sound desperate, man. They jump on the bandwagon and quick slander. They so hey, African brother. At least that nigga wanted to go to even if the school wasn't real shit. He talking about a school. He giving you a he, he sound convincing on what he told me the platform. You don't even sound convincing on your talk with evolution, nigga. You don't even sound convincing that you don't fuck with that shit no more, nigga. Now, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop.
Somebody asked me, is Beast Toast still on that shit, y'all? <laughs> Sitting there at the spot like G Money talking to himself. Oh, they're going to feel this. Fucking me, 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 me. I'll get it. Who built this beat? That's who. But it, it, it has to be something. There's something going on where, you know, our values are turning just like they're turning right now. We can see plainly the destruction and after civilization. We can see it. We can see it. We know that somehow you must be misinterpreted. A lot of people are misinterpreting that. Everybody got a little chink in the armor, man. The thing is, at least they, at least what they, at least they got. You know, I like motherfuckers who got chinks, but still, still fighting. Shit, fight. So don't, you know, what I mean, don't get caught up in the hype and the motherfucking rioting, my nigga. They, they in your lane. We all gotta roll. Some of us get our calling sooner than others. We all gotta roll. And we got this new culture we promoting too, man. Do you know the odds of a of, of a family producing a, a a successful black revolutionary are like fourteen times higher than a child going to the NBA or NFL, y'all? Y'all know that the success rate of becoming a scholarly African yeah is more yeah. You can produce a military uh, uh, revolutionary faster and more efficient. The odds are better in your favor for a parent to raise one than a, than a child going to the, uh, the uh, NFL. NFL. Yeah, Oh, you haven't heard? A little man man is in the Black Power Special Forces Unit. What, bro? I'm so proud of you. We're going to promote that new culture, man. You know You know what? And you're saying that right now, I'm going to work with uh, a brother right now. We're putting together a uh, a little documentary, and uh, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. We're promoting the new culture. The new culture is. Smart is a new gangster, you know what I'm saying? It's smart is a new gangster. It's all about being African, first, second, and third. It's like power is nothing. So we pumping that. So, uh, 
definitely make sure that that comes through. Uh, and, you know, uh, another thing that I think that we, we have to take advantage of, we have to take advantage of the fact that there's um, like, uh, independent publishing companies that if you write it, they'll produce your book. I'm not saying that we need to be producing and get all type of money, but we need to that you can produce, at least for your time, at least for your immediate people. You can produce our, you know, you can produce your own pieces or your own company or information. Yeah. Just uh, write it up, put it in a book form. Be here for a long time. It's uh, a 48-hour book, I think. Uh, That's something else you gotta look at. Yes, sir. Somebody gotta break the history. Somebody gotta preserve it for what it is right now. So what now? Not letting nobody else tell our story. We need to challenge, challenge victory. Everything is Troy Davis, Tyler Ferguson, Mark Essex, everything is that. Everything is win, win, win. And that's the only way we're going to get out of it anyway. Yeah. Well, we win. Mm-hmm. See, that's what we got over here. We got our roads over here on the ground, too. You know what I'm saying? We got General uh, 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 Squad Leader Brother Little on on, on the defense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. Everybody got their specialties and their particulars. You know what I'm saying? The success rate of producing one is higher than motherfucking one in European. We'll <laughs> talk. But let me read this little passage right quick. I don't know it's getting late. I'm going to read another quote from um, on education from Bible Clark because it's getting late. Cole, you know what I'm saying? All right. All right. All right. You read that and then I'll do the announcement for the end of the, uh, the next week and everything. With the talk times, and then you can go ahead and hit the um, hit the end, hit the uh, end call, like a little stop sign, little button. And you know, and we go to the Apple Store. One of the ways of enslaving you, after they remove one set of chains and put the change on the mind is to not only change your religion or your way of looking at things, but also to make you abandon your your religion or way of looking at things. Make you change your dress and to laugh at your gods. Once you change to their gods, their dress, their taste, desires, music, their food, they don't need any prison walls after that. You've got prison walls more binding because the prison walls are inside your mind. 
Once we face the reality of the imprisonment of the African mind in the 19th century, punk, and other Darwinists and evolutionists, we will look at the black contention movement, look at the debates between blacks and blacks, and look at the blacks going to Liberia to Christianize their heathen brothers. Read Alexander Cromwell's work. Alexander Cromwell was a great African missionary, but Alexander Cromwell was a missionary with the mentality of a white missionary. He was going to spread Christianity to a continent where every element that went originally into the making of Christianity, Islam, and Judah began, all of it started in Africa, one way or another. In my research, I read a dissertation on this, written by an African at Syracuse University. <clears throat> he was thrown out of Syracuse University, of course, in 1933. His dissertation dealt with the fact why African religions never became world religions. He said, no pew, no collection plate, no temples, no missionaries. Everything is free. How can such a religion become a world religion? Nobody is exploiting anybody. Priests are free. The community pays the priests so they don't have to pay. They don't have to pass the hat. Communities pay the priests so they don't have to pass the hat. The community brings the priests food, makes his clothes. All the elements you call Christianity came out of Africa. All the symbols of came out of Africa. You point out when Jews came into Africa, they had no clear religion, law, or language. And when they left, they they took the exodus in all three. So you knew so you knew he was doing we're going to get through it. During the second half of the nineteenth century in the Caribbean Island revolts were taking off, except the Haitian. The missionary educated African activists were taking over. The bulk of rebels were becoming to the fore. In this country new institutions were coming into being. Land grant colleges, new approaches to education. Some of them imaginative. At the end of the 19th century, he saw the emergence of Booker T. Washington. Here we need to tarry because he is where we might have, this is where we might have went wrong. Booker T. Washington's speech at the Atlantic Continent Exposition held in 1895 was misunderstood then and is misunderstood now. It was a speech of strategy. All strategies do not work all the time, but it was one of the most unique con games ever played. He spoke to the white South, the black South, the North, and he got what he wanted, and he got what he needed. He maneuvered to appeal to all sides. No one really noticed there was a reporter from Boston who noticed that some of the blacks who came down to the balcony were crying, and some of them waved their hands to where Booker T. Washington was standing. Oh, no, Booker. Oh, no, some of them began their retreat out of the South. They began the migration because they couldn't believe some of the things he had said. Yet, he had set a pace. He had taken blacks out of the 19th century into the 20th century. He didn't quite understand what he had done. The South misinterpreted the speech. They thought that this meant that he endured segregation. In the five-year span from 1895 to 1900, a rash of Jim Crow laws became into being. That wasn't his intent or what he meant. Now the debate between W.D. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington started, and we started choosing sides. We started choosing sides, and we haven't chosen, we haven't straightened it out yet. We assume that we have to choose sides between political liberation education and egalitarian industrial education. 
either the boys or Booker T was right. Both of them was right. Both of them looked at the world based on how they were reared. The boys was raised in New England, a parson aristocrat. You could be an aristocrat in New England and not have any money. Mm-hmm. Washington was a farmer boy from slave parents, and he didn't know his father. Therefore, he lived the world that way. Both men were practically based on each other's own vantage point in looking at the world. Well, when I say there is, when reading uh, our ancestors' writings and readings of Rene Baxter's, it's important to do just like Dr. Clark did. Big them up. No, you're not bigging them now, but be able to point out why certain things they did didn't address certain avenues. We have that empathy and empathy for our people because we wanted the same people, family. So quit trying to attack, you know, the, the message of unity needs to be the base. The, the, the message of unity points out the enemy. If, the, if, if, if you find a contention among individuals and there's more disunity than there is unity, it's because it's the message that they're teaching. That's why. My Oh, yeah, for the Moors, too. Let me read some more. <laughs> this word, emancipation, most of us take this position of that this word means freedom. This is incorrect. I find that what you have to do, history, hold on. English is a subject that is deeper than making subjects and verbs agree. It is all what we're taught in school. One thing that you might want to do in the terms is look at where the word comes from. Emancipation is not an English term. It came from the Roman law, and it means transfer of ownership. Basically, what we're talking about here is the Emancipation Proclamation did not free anybody because we always knew that Abe didn't free us. Am I right? And the question becomes, if Abe Lincoln didn't free us, then who did? Certainly no cracker did. 
this transfer of ownership means that there was a recognition that the English model of slavery had to be changed. And there, were, there had to be a Roman model of slavery. Mm. If you study Roman law, you will find that the Roman system of slavery was different from the English system of slavery. In the Roman system of slavery, you could be a banker, lawyer, an architect, an engineer. You could be any of that, just like we are today. You have Negroes who say, yes, I graduated from Harvard University. Yeah, a slave. Or a Clarence Thomas, a slave. We must begin to understand that this whole world was a question of double talk. Mm. White folks knew from the beginning that emancipation had a deeper meaning than English. It was rooted in the Roman language and based on Roman experience. So as we go through the Juneteenth, we should really be very clear on what emancipation proclamation means. Attorney Alton Maddox at the Slave Theater, June 10th, 1992. That's it, Black Power family. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Taylor, what's going on? It's like Tuesday coming up with news, news, more news. You can hear me in tank. Taylor, so I've got a lot of different information that's going on. I mean, we're uh, clarifying some of the things that we're talking about. Don't be uh, fooled by hope and different things that's going on. Be wary, we're going to do a little bit of be wary, we're going to with the news, and we're going to see all the stuff that's going on in the news. And, uh, another how to identify certain propaganda, things that are harm you in this time. And that'll be next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. on the West Side. Also, we have St. Thursday coming up next week, that'll be 9.30 p.m. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.